episode 78. 78. This is episode 78. And this, this, I think, I think we're gonna, we're gonna mark this as our, our two year anniversary because I think it was around this time two years ago that we started. So yeah, close enough. Uh, April, April. We just all of April. It's is like our anniversary. Yeah, feral children. We don't know when our actual birthday is, except for it's podcast. Yeah, yeah. I just go look it up. I bet it's, it's probably gonna post a date or something. It, that, could, that could be. So um, this week we got a variety of tech talk. Uh, we have some Marvel news. Uh, we're gonna be talking some X Men uh, comic books. Um, in the comic book section as well as in the news section, because there's quite Whole the uprising drama in, yeah. the, in the comics this week. Yep. Um, we're gonna talk a little bit about The Walking Dead and why season seven is the worst season ever. Yeah, I don't know. I'd go that far, but it's it's not great. It's not my favorite. <laughs> uh, it's not. And um, we are, man. This 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 week is kind of it seems sparse, but it's not because we actually have a lot of comic book stuff to talk about. Um, as well as WrestleMania coverage. And I am going to tell you right now, I'm going to rant just a little bit at the head of the show. Um, there's a reason that our coverage of WrestleMania is coming out later. Um, yeah. And that's because of fucking seven hours of the TV. Yeah, seven hours of WrestleMania is, is a little rough on the, on the human spirit, you know? Um, don't, get me li- don't get me wrong, we're wrestling fans with seven hours, man. A two-hour pre-show on top of a five-hour long pay-per-view is a bit much. Two and a half hours of, uh, you know, walking up the ramp. I mean, 85 yards... That's 80. a long ramp. Yeah, every every entrance was a football field, and it's not like these were small entrances either. I will give them some credit. Some of the entrances were pretty rad. Like I really love the torch on the uh, thing that I think that was Rollins. Rollins, yeah. yeah. I like Triple H's entrance too with his with his trike. Yeah, that was pretty badass. And his and his hot motorcycle chick on the back. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Um, anyway, uh, Undertaker. Um, I. Here's the thing, and I'm not making fun of Undertaker at all, especially because, um, as most of you who were listening may know by now, he's he's uh, apparently called it quits as of, as of this WrestleMania, which um, I think was apropos, but um, I think they didn't want to deal with him walking all the way down the ramp, because they literally lifted him up from <laughs> the, about the midway point of the ramp, and, and yeah. he only had to walk, you know, 40 yards. Like, they were setting this up, and they were just like, nah, fuck, I can't do that. Yeah, just give me a flying entrance. He's like, do you want me to be wounded by the time I get to the ring? Because that's how you make me wounded by the time I get to the ring. Yeah. All right, so let's start the show. Eddie's got some Xbox news. Yeah, I threw this in here. I don't know if this is something you'd be curious about or interested in at, in, at all. I like video um, games. We're both pretty much PlayStation guys at this point. Like, uh, I I was heavily into the Xbox 360. I didn't own a PS3. Matt, you were still using the PS3, if I recall correctly. I've had every incarnation of the PlayStation. Yeah, I skipped the PS3 generation, and I really like the 360. Um, but the, see, the thing is, is about the time that the Xbox One and PS4 were coming out, uh, Microsoft was doing everything it could to screw the pooch um, in, in a variety of different ways. Uh, so I'm not going to go into those now, but su- suffice it to say, I ended up buying a PS4 this dude, generation. Dude, the, um, the games being locked to the first machine they were played in, that was kind of one of those things that they decided... Oh, I mean, there was just there was just a ton of things that were like, oh, that's I guess that sounds good for Microsoft in this perfect world where everybody wants to buy their games eight times. But, you know, uh, it was it was that kind of level of like just bullshit that um, kind of turned me away, especially because at the time, like PS4, like it played right into their hands. They were like, you know, that things Microsoft's doing. We're not. And we were like, yeah, buy it. Um, Yeah, pretty much. Sony was like, (laughs) yeah. What's funny is a lot of the ideas that Microsoft actually went forward with. At the onset of the Xbox One, like 
PlayStation had teased that they were going to do like six months prior to that. And there yeah. was a massive backlash. And Sony's like, oh, no, okay. mind. yeah, no, we weren't <laughs> going to do that. Yeah. And then uh, at the time of two, I was really interested in the PlayStation because I didn't really want to pay that monthly sub fee for Xbox Gold or whatever. Um, is that what it's called? Yeah. 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 Xbox Gold. And now, of course, that's out the window because Xbox you, Live Gold, I think. Yeah. You can't really play fucking anything. Uh, um, you still have to have the PlayStation with, Plus. Without PlayStation Plus these days. So that, that worked out really well. But anyway, uh, the link I got in the show notes for you today is a link uh, discussing uh, Project Scorpio, which is going to be the next incarnation of the Xbox or whatever uh, they end up calling it. I would assume Xbox is sticking around. but um, And it just kind of goes through the specs and uh, what kind of cool stuff they're doing. Um, a few notable things. Uh, they're doing their own GPU on this model. <clears throat> D- ground up for them. GPU is paired with 12 gigabytes of super fast GD, uh, GDDR5 memory and a custom 8-core CPU. So the first thing I read was I was like, oh, they're making the cell again. Uh, but I'm, I presume this is going to be an x86-based uh, box versus the cells, you know, cell architecture. It looks like it, and it looks like it's going to be running. It's, it's an AMD CPU, which, god damn, I guess that's the only way AMD is going to make money these days. Yeah, but um, super excited to see, you know, 12, gig- 12 gigabytes of video memory uh, for the thing. Um, it is. It's a 2.3 gigahertz x86 8-core. Yeah. So that's that's pretty cool, but uh, you know, and, and I'm sure the the PC master race is going to look at this and laugh. But uh, this is going to be able to do uh, 60 60 frames per second um, on on you know most a lot of games. So looking at this, it's not a ton. <laughs> it's not a ton uh, bigger than the uh, PS4 Pro. Yeah. <coughs> like. I mean, no offense to Microsoft, but I'm glad you're making a machine that's competitive with the PS4 Pro. Yeah. For your well, they kind of have to. Next gen. Like, th- that's what's interesting here is um, I'm wondering if we're at this point where the console thing is going to start accelerating, like, in a, if they're going to maintain compatibility. So I wouldn't necessarily have a problem upgrading my console every three years versus every, like, eight years right now, uh, which has kind of been the last couple of cycles. Um, but what I would have a problem with is losing compatibility with all the games like yeah. if i all of a sudden couldn't play ps4 games uh, um on a ps4 pro for example um I, I don't know that i'd be in for that system i mean ps4 pro can play ps4 games yeah it, it definitely can then this is almost like the um equivalent of like an iphone 6s or 7s although we are skipping the s i think in, on the 7 model but yeah we'll see um but it seems like Sony's kind of adopted that that method of it because they'll they'll launch like the PS3 and then all of a sudden you have the PS3 Slim and and whatnot yeah. and and I think there was some slight hardware changes on the on the Slim. This one is is kind of the first one of the PlayStation Fours though that really has like well the thing with the uh, the Slim was it was not you know super nice as far as like uh, you didn't get a lot more horsepower. In fact, I don't think you got any more horsepower. Or there was really going to be any like fidelity differences in playing a game on on your you know regular PS3 versus your PS3 Slim. No, it was um, just a technology has advanced to the point where we can do this in a smaller package now. Yeah, and uh, without you know giant fans or as giant of fans and yeah. stuff like that. So um, th- this you know is sort of a different one. Like the PS4 was actually kind of a surprise to me because uh, they just literally are upgrading and and you know improving. Um, you know specs in the package like you'd upgrade a pc or something like that um so what will also be interesting to me or uh is whether or not they can actually like leverage this from the game companies like if the game companies are going to make games that will take advantage of this stuff 
um presumably there there a lot of games will but i'm also wondering how that's going to work like if you're going to um have games you know sort of like on pc games now where you can get a, a super beastly pc but uh the game can only do you know say 720 because it's been out for you know 15 years or something like that yeah yeah i don't know uh specs are in there if you're into video games and that whole bit of nerdery um check that out yeah you don't have to scroll very far down the page and you'll actually see a side-by-side comparison of uh scorpio versus the xbox one versus the ps4 pro yeah although one thing this does look like it's slightly skewed to microsoft's favor um just because the ps4 pro like one of the entire reasons for it being is it's it's 4k compatible yeah and they completely leave that out of the optical drive like both of the Scorpio and the Xbox One S say 4K UHD and PS4 Pro just says Blu-ray, but it is, in fact, 4K. Yeah, it's funny that they're really pushing 4K because I don't know that for like we're not going to see a return on that for quite a while. No, I don't, 4K, I don't see it being adopted as the norm at for at least another three years. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's about realistic. I mean, we're, we're to the point, and, and this is kind of the sweet spot for the tech, for a technology, but we're to the point where you can get a pretty good-sized TV that looks pretty decent for, like, 400 bucks. I, I have a 55-inch Vizio um, 3D smart TV that's, you know, 1080 that I paid 850 for, which at the time was a great deal. Yeah. And now you can get an equivalent TV, although the 3D isn't necessarily as big of a push anymore. They, they've kind of backed off on that. But you can get a 55-inch smart TV uh you know for 450 500 bucks yeah. at this point so yeah. um so yeah it's kind of hard to push past that i think uh because w- once you're in that sort of speed sp- uh, sweet spot it takes a little while for the rest of the market to catch up and so with 4k tvs i mean you can get 4k tvs but they're vastly more expensive than uh, than what most people are buying and uh since not a lot of media takes advantage of it at this point it, it's kind of a slow slog uphill to get something like that to take hold so and and for a lot of people i think um I still know a lot of people that really can't tell the difference between DVD and Blu-ray. Um, so uh, Blu-ray to 4K is going to be even even more. Dude, those people. I, <laughs> I know. They're practically blind. I, I, I wouldn't let them ride not, in the same car as them, but whatever. I have not actually seen um, with my own eyes like a legit side-by-side comparison of like a 1080 uh, Blu-ray versus versus 4K. I'm sure there's, a, there's a, a distinct difference. But like I remember when I first bought my first DVD player. And like people like my ex-wife and my mom were like, I don't understand the difference between this and a VHS. What's the difference? And I'm like, um, well, number one, you don't have to actually adjust the tracking at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I immediately was like, no, that's wrong. This is way better. This is way, 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 yeah. way, way better. I, I um, had the same argument with a lot of people when I switched, when I when I started buying everything in widescreen. Like I even have VHSs that I bought specifically in widescreen. Yeah. Like if you go back to my episode one Phantom Menace VHS box set that I bought, like I specifically ordered the widescreen cut. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's the one that was only time that you'll hear me admit that I bought that movie. Yeah. That that actually is one of the, I think, the gains from um, this current generation is it was more reasonable. Like full screen VHS was how you bought most VHS. Um, and because we watched it on square TVs, so yeah. it's, and 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 that's just janky. Like, yeah. I'm glad we we finally figured out that the TV should be widescreen. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why that was never a thing to begin with. Uh, probably just technology. I mean, movies have legitimately been shot in <laughs> widescreen for fucking fifty years. Yeah. So, but I, I think it's you know purely just uh, CRT CRT technology um, kind of informs what you do. And then people don't want to feel like they're wasting their TV. So still while you go over to your parents' house and you see like uh, them stretching out regular uh, uh, pan and scan too. Or like anytime TNT 
like decides that they're going to take something older and, and just stretch it. Yeah. And I'm like, no, Please no, this is that. what we Please mean. Do I'll, I'll yeah. take the black bars versus whatever you're doing to my, my characters yeah, right don't, now. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, that's bad. Okay. So shall we go for a little, uh, drama filled, uh, um, uh, rant through the Marvel land th- this week? I mean, yeah. Cause we're going to, I don't know. Eddie and I both read, um, the new Xbox that just came out uh, the week before last and this week. Um, there was apparently, and, and I actually had to go back. I knew about this before I even read it, and I still didn't even catch it because I was actually more interested in the actual story. Yeah. Um, so I completely missed it when I was reading the book itself. Um, I had to go back and look at it. Um, but, yeah, there was apparently some anti-Christian and anti-Semitic uh, rhetoric that uh, the artist from uh, this week's X-Men Gold number one uh, snuck in there. Yep. Not yeah. a smart move, I got to say. Not if you want a continued job. No, I mean, if, if if he's all about the message, then uh, I guess, you know, w- good for him. He stuck to his guns. But I mean, um, is this his version of a suicide bombing? Yeah, like, if, if he, he wants his to. Career. Yeah, he, he suicide bombed his career, essentially. Like, if he wanted to continue on with a career in artistry, I don't know how well that's going to work. Because um, these aren't the worst messages. It's not I like mean, maybe kill ISIS all Christians. But to do some cartooning. It is, it is like a very obviously tasteless. Like uh, the way I, I gauge any of these things is like if you reversed it, like if all of us, if I was talking about the Jews instead of say Christians in this case, would it be disgusting? And the answer is yes, most certainly it would be. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, this guy, I don't, I don't think, I don't think he's going to work for a, a lot longer. No, I don't know how many, well, I, I, I'm curious if, if he already had, any more issues done or if they were even going to stick with him for the art anyway i don't know um it it's the main panel that that had some stuff in it was a panel featuring kitty pride um who's recently taken over as leader of the x-men who's a, a very jewish character like that was actually a big part of her background when they brought her in um in the 70s to the uncanny x-men and whatnot um and so to have some anti-semitic stuff um kind of written into the background by an artist uh, who's trying a book that's all always been about being all inclusive. Like that's, that's kind of the main focus point of the X-Men has always been like, we're different and we'll fight to save you, even though you fear and hate us. Yeah. You know, um, that's kind of actually one of the more ironic twists about which book this happened in. Cause you know, it, it could have been lots of different books uh, for lots of different reasons or somebody else. And um, it's crazy to me that you chose X-Men for this because exactly that, like uh, X-Men, uh, we were talking about this before the show, but comic books in general tend to champion social causes uh, and usually um, well ahead of a lot of other media. And so this is no exception. Like especially, X-Men- especially mainstream superhero um <laughs> <clears throat> comic books i mean i'm sure there there are comic books out there that are, are geared toward uh less socially acceptable yeah uh, motives but in, yeah, in but particular I mean, like, superhero comic books have always had something to champion and those are usually like fighting for the downtrodden and you and know. x-men practically grew out of the civil rights movement and, and you know happenings and goings on in, in the late 60s and was you know really a direct, direct a- allegory to a lot of that stuff and uh so yeah using using you know pushing that kind of a message in an x-men book is just it's it's kind of it's it's um you know i don't know it's just shitty is what it is uh but it, it's just an odd twist of irony that, that I mean, that's the book. I suppose there probably are ignorant people that just read X-Men comic books, you know, to get a superhero story and not because of of what the book actually means or anything like that. Um, 
Well, but I mean, I that's definitely, fine. I definitely you, you can, but what do you take out of it? I mean, because well, th- that's a big part of the a big draw to the X-Men to me is that that sort of feeling. Yeah. Like, I, I suppose if I'm like a homophobic, racist um, asshole. And can I you read, even read? I and, and I read the, the X-Men, like, I'm probably just pissed off. Yeah. Every other panel. Like. Like you're the, you're reading the X Men and rooting for the bad guys. Yeah, like, yeah. Like go Magneto. <clears throat> yeah, kill those other assholes because you're not gonna make it on your own. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Just, Magneto's probably a bad example. The link we got in the know. show notes gives a little bit more explanation about exactly what we're uh, dealing with and, and what kind of messaging this is supposed to send. Um, but it's it's a pretty tasteless move. Um, yeah, we'll talk about the actual books proper uh, when we get to our comic book section. But this was, yeah. Yeah. This is just dumb. And so following the, um, you know, sort of SJW uh, uh, failings and goings on this week, uh, Marvel, uh, Marvel executive this week said that um, the diversity that they've been pushing in this this most recent run of titles is killing their sales. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it's probably accurate. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna have to go out on a limb and say uh, it's David Gabriel, by the way, Marvel senior vice president of uh, sales and market, stated in an interview with ICV2.com. I'd really like to hear what Joe Casada has to say about the whole thing. Okay, so step one, Marvel. Uh, you know what kills your sales? When you can walk into any comic trick shop and uh, you can look at a DC book and you can look at a Marvel book and you can see at least a dollar difference in cover price. Uh, you know, we were just talking about this Walmart of all places. Now, this is th- this is actually kind of joyous because we, uh, comics are now mainstream enough. You can go buy them at Walmart. I haven't found them at Walmart yet. <coughs> I did, but they were in a weird ass place like up in the front by the like the Yu-Gi-Oh cards and shit like that. Really? Um, but anyway, I found I found comic books. And the other day I was looking in there and you can get three number ones from the Rebirth universe for like uh, six dollars. Or you can get three number ones from uh, Marvel for like ten Uh so you're spending significantly more dollar per comic, um, which is, you know, kind of a rough sell because let's face it, a lot of comic readers are younger kids and they don't have a ton of pocket money. And even, you know, us older grownups who maybe have some disposable income just don't have a million dollars to spend on comics every week. So a uh, comic comic per dollar is definitely a consideration, I think, with the audience, especially at this level of pricing. Uh, so that's number one. Number two, um, Let's face it, we all have access to read these comics if we want. Where where price is no object. And uh, um, so I can read as many Marvel books as I want. Uh, but the fact is, uh, they just aren't grabbing me right now. Like they, it's, and it's not because I'm like, oh man, they put a fucking brown person in there. It's like because the stories aren't great. You know? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a few Marvel books that are absolutely fucking fantastic. I'm really enjoying All New Wolverine uh, with Laura Kenny. Old All Man New Logan Wolver- is yep, same is, same is, is killer. Um, but I mean, even the books that I was really excited about, um, in humans versus X-Men, I bought every single issue of that. Um, and it, I think we talked about this last week, kind of went out with a whimper. Like it just didn't end on nearly as grand a scale as I was expecting, a, a, a book with that ramifications to end on. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, w- and again, we'll talk about this when we get to the comic book proper section, because, um, I do have a lot of positive things to say about both X-Men prime and X-Men gold. Um, uh, but we'll save that. So I'm just saying, yeah, for what we're getting a five or $6 cover price on a comic book is kind of a lot to ask. And DC is, is able to maintain, uh, certain books at three bucks an issue. 
Yeah. Secondarily, you know what's fucking dumb? Saying diversity is what killed sales. Let's take a look at a little tiny, uh, a minor franchise called, uh, I don't know, Rogue One, uh, uh, which was a Star Wars story. You see a lot of white people in that movie. I mean, there are white people in that movie, don't get me wrong, but what are our protagonists? Our main character talks like these. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I posted actually when I was ranting at somebody online, I think probably in my Twitter rant about this, I said, you know who the whitest character is in, in Rogue One? Fucking the black droid. Uh, and that's only because Alan Tudyk plays him. Um, and even that doesn't count because the and, droid's black. And I apologize to Diego Luna because my impression of you, Diego, is uh, based solely on Alan Tudyk's <laughs> impression of you. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, which he does a really good, a good, good impression of. Um, he did, he did a really great interview on the Nerdist, which we both listened to, which is why I immediately knew what you were doing. Lots of great podcasts on the Nerdist <laughs> um, late, lately. Yeah, uh, yeah from yeah. Tudic to um, actually the Dax Shepard one was amazing, and then uh, Ray Palmer, uh, Brandon Ralph. <laughs> yeah, that that was a that was a really good one too. So anyhow, um, yeah, why are you listening to this shit? Go listen to the Nerdist. Yeah, it's go listen better. to somebody else's podcast. <laughs> yeah. Come on, guys. Um, so anyway, the 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 whole thing, you know. Uh, so we got Rogue One. We've got some divided, decidedly diverse characterization in there. In fact, both of our new Star Wars f- films have featured, you know, say women protagonists and have had people of color in prominent positions. Uh, um, and it's not really hurting their sales. Uh, you know what else happened? Uh, Get Out, uh, this this film with a small, tiny little budget, which I actually just heard a great podcast on about, too, um, um, did like $150 million. Yeah. And that is... Uh, not only is it featuring people of color, it is almost primarily people of color, and there's a very heavy theme of race uh, throughout the whole damn movie. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but I don't think diversity killed that one. I, I think diversity probably worked out just fine, and I think people just latched onto a story they maybe liked. Did people not go see Straight Outta Compton because it was racially charged? I, I can't imagine that was the case. They were like, oh, wait, fuck. I, I, I didn't know there was Compton. black people in it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought Ice Cube was just, you know, we were going to be making Rob Roy's all day and, and talking about golf. Um, yeah. No, I, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I don't think it's diversity, Marvel. The, the, this uh, is such a tactless, crass uh, statement that doesn't even – you can't even really back it up very factually. Like, yeah. this is just the worst kind of scapegoating. Who, who fucking talks like that? Yeah. I mean, in all seriousness, like – And even still, even if it were, let's just say – Let's just say, because that, that's that's a possibility I'm willing to acknowledge after seeing Trump get elected. I'm willing to acknowledge that there's a sizable portion of fucking really racist people in this country. So let's just say, hypothetically, that diversity really was killing Marvel sales. When would that ever be a good idea to say? Uh, like, like it's like Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon, fucking racist is all hell. But you don't see him on national TV and be like, well, yeah, the goddamn kikes wouldn't have whatever uh we would you know like even steve bannon is not dumb enough to go that far um although he does call jared kushner a cuck apparently so you can you can't just you can call people cucks that's fine yeah that's weird yeah but even that was supposed to not get leaked but well that whole white house at least he's not on the national security council anymore (laughs) that that is true who's the cuck now bannon who's the cuck now what a fucking douchebag anyway um yeah here's the thing um Diversity is not killing Marvel sales because I guarantee you the uh, racist fucking homophobe rednecks are not reading Marvel comic books. I no. I, I mean I, I I'm almost gonna guarantee that. So, 
I don't yeah. think it's diversity. I, I will say that there are some books that are maybe written in a much more ham-fisted manner than others. And those do turn me off a little bit when, like, they have to beat me. It's the same thing with Supergirl. <clears throat> well, we talked about one. it. Like, um, I'm all for advancing social causes, but I, I think the way you do it, like... Um, Bendis can go a little over the top. Bendis does go a little over the top sometimes. But, like, just, let's just take... Like, we use Rogue One as an example. Uh, or or Star Wars Episode Seven as an example because they feature pro- prominently uh, people of color and, and you know minority minority uh, uh, actors and uh, I think that's the way you do it because they never once they never once does does Ray pan towards the camera and be like yes and I can fight like a Jedi because I'm a woman you know uh, that's yeah. not going to stop me uh, um, and Diego Luna is not like uh, yeah we've got space Mexico uh, he just the character exists and they just let it be and they tell a good story about it. Like that's the way it it needs to happen. If it's really going to work. Honestly, the prequels were, were so racially insensitive. Oh, you mean came... space Jew with a giant nose? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. No, nobody saw that one. That's, that's super tight fisted with money. Yeah. And... George Lucas is like, no, I'm not racist. I don't know. Why Why we just make him like a, and, yeah. and the, the trade fetter. Ah, oh, now there are two of them. Yeah. Like, Oh, Oh weird. They're not over the top Asian villains at all. No, definitely not. <laughs> Um, so you know there's that but like it's good thinking anything to do with rogue one because it was a great movie yeah right, star wars has always been kind of good about that kind of thing though like they never well, really cared it, it sort of depends because you can go back and then like um how you doing chewbacca yeah you got you got uh that and you know they did a pretty good job with that speaking of which uh happy belated birthday billy d yeah. He was 80 yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah. I hope he still is, I assume. I I, yeah, I, I, I really so. I really meant to uh, put together uh, uh, Lando Calrissian Colt 45 meme and throw it up on the whatever he pay- Facebook page, but I I, I worked all day, so. <laughs> um, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Star Wars, you know, in the 70s, I'd say they, pro- they were progressive for their time. Uh, they had um, one black person. Yeah, they had one black person, which was, you know, significantly more black people. It was than one more black people than a lot of movies back yeah. then. Um, and then obviously the, there was a lot of racial issues in, uh, um, really just sort of crass insensitivities in, in the prequel trilogy, which is reason number like 376, why those are garbage. But, uh, the modern day, you know, uh, Star Wars, I think is really doing a, a great job with, um, having a diverse cast and not just beating you over the fist with it like uh, or beating you over the head with the thing and I, th- I again we've talked about this at length and i really think that's the way you do it when when you stop when you do the fourth wall break and you look right at the camera unless you're fucking deadpool saying like yeah dopinder that's cool right you know like uh uh unless you're you know le- legitimately trying to actually do a fourth wall break i shouldn't feel like it because that just detracts from the story and sometimes i feel like that's what marvel does like people um bendis is sort of polarizing in that regard and like that some people just don't want that that sort of like don't necessarily have a problem with it but they have a problem with the way that bendis is decides to just slap you with his gigantic diversity cock in the face yeah 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 there's that um it yeah no it's it's weird because um things are done really well in some cases and, and not well in others like if you look at the um relationship between uh uh Kara's sister yeah and and her girlfriend like it it did make a big deal out of the fact that it was a lesbian relationship but it didn't do it uh from the perspective of other people going oh my god they're lesbians it did it from the perspective of this person is just now realizing what she is and having to come to terms with 
how does she but i I think that was a reasonable advancement like I think first off, they somebody deliberately said we want to have an LGBT character on the show. Uh, just period. I, I think probably the case is either I, I don't think she's actually uh, is she? No, she's married and has kids. Yeah, so I mean, married I, to a man with kids. I, I think she legitimately. Um, somebody on the on the on the uh, you know in charge of the show was like. We, I do want to have an LGBT character on the show. And no. it would even be interesting if we went through this journey of like her discovery of that. But the thing is, is it wasn't like uh, ridiculous. No, and like, it wasn't a main focal point of the of of the episodes either. Like it's it's a subplot and it's done again. POV, I think, is everything, because if we were looking at it from an outsider's perspective, like it's always going to look slightly off and strange because like if you're not a, a, an LGBT person, LGBT person, like you don't get it. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and it's kind of impossible. Like, that's one of the main criticisms, like two white guys on a podcast talking about this kind of thing. Well, you know, one of yeah. the criticisms is just going to be, uh, you're not any of these things. So why are you even talking about it? And well, it's, it's because it's my fucking show. I can do what I want. Yeah, we can do but, what we want. And also because um, it doesn't bother us, like seeing these things on us. It, it, like it, it, it doesn't bother me. No, I'll go further and say it doesn't bother. It's not that it doesn't bother me. It's that it doesn't bother me and it shouldn't bother me. It right. shouldn't bother anybody. It shouldn't it, fucking matter. Exactly. The thing. Exactly. Like we're not, we're not focusing on that as a, uh, as a, as a talking point other than a, this is why this is cool is because we can do this. We can have this on the show and it's in there, but it blends in so well with the rest of the show that it's, it's, it's normalized and that's yeah, the way it's well, supposed to be. And I think that's the, the, the way that it works because I think anybody else that's watching it and, and if you get really ham fisted with this stuff, the, the people that you're trying or you most desperately need to convince are going to be immediately turned off by it. Here's the thing. If you they gotta did, like, you gotta like a uh, Trojan horse that shit in. Well, like, if they had beat us the over way. the head with it, like they did the feminist angle from the first season of, of, of the show. Um, I think we both would have been sitting here going like, don't get us wrong. We like hot lesbians too, but Give it a rest, guys. But we're not doing that because they've done it yeah, in a way I that do makes think, sense. I do think that maybe the writers learned a little bit from the criticism of the first season. And th- and that's fine. That's fine, too. Like, I think that um, everybody's going to have various mistakes in, in what their ideas and thoughts they're trying to convey. Um, so, anyway, this is a vast digression here. Um, it, it is, but it isn't because we... Yeah. The subject I mean, matter just, we started I'm with just was... just saying, number one, blaming diversity is probably just really, really stupid at this point, especially when you can point to several mega properties that sort of uh, uh, totally flout your uh, um, theory. And secondarily, Marvel, you got plenty of other shit that's blowing your sails. Like, I have heard no shortage of criticism about the mega events and reboots and resets and, and number ones every yeah. five minutes. Yeah. Um, like... And then... I bitched about this like a year ago, like I'm on volume three of Uncanny Avengers and the fucking book's been out four or five years. Yeah. Like, come on, guys. And as much as um, I think you need a little bit of continuity to read some of the, the uh, DC stuff right now, you don't need much. Um, no, in fact, you can kind of jump on anywhere. You definitely can jump on from Rebirth, you know, at the Rebirth event. And that's another thing, like, it, is it's not any singular property with Marvel. Like you never know which book is on which version or incarnation. Um, 
with with DC at least, you can really grab any Rebirth book from the number one, which is not too far ago, and then you've you're pretty much instantly caught up on the continuity. Like you don't really need to have gone. You like if you read New Fifty Two, that's great, but you don't have to have read New Fifty Two. You don't have to go through their whole back catalog. You get um you know there's only a, a very few occasions where I as a relatively new comic reader really have to stop and go okay what's going on here a little bit. Um, whereas you know like clone conspiracy i started reading clone conspiracy and i just kind of dropped it because there was just a lot of like i don't know what that is i don't know what that is i don't care about that the story is not really um you know yeah there was a lot of tie-ins to that one and it at the time i was i was already reading amazing spider-man and silk yeah and and then I picked up Prowler when it came out because it was only like a, a four or five issue arc that, that tied in with Clone Conspiracy. And but I, I can see from the outside looking in, like if you're not reading all those already, it's a pretty daunting task to to jump in and try and figure out where this is. And and there's so many references to things that um Yeah, and it's just that again, have happened. And and the sad thing is they don't even do what they used to do in comic books, which was like anytime they would reference like a past event, it would be like see Amazing Spider-Man number one hundred twenty-eight, you know, or they, they or definitely whatever. do that in DC books still yeah. sometimes. Yeah, yeah. and so it, it's really frustrating as a new reader to to pick up something and be like, I don't have fifty years worth of background on this. Like, I don't get this. Yeah, and secondarily, Marvel, if you're gonna do a big crossover tie-in like that, it and you have to get all the books to understand what's going on, it's gonna be a lot tougher when your cover prices are higher. Yeah, I mean, I can see not writing your your mid mid crossover books like this but i mean there's kind of the general rule of thumb that every comic book is somebody's first comic book and marvel doesn't always write theirs like that no first off that's a stylistic choice and i that doesn't bother me so much um it's just that i don't want to feel like i have to jump back through and especially because with marvel it's really fucking confusing like if you pick up a number one that assumes you have a whole bunch of knowledge uh and then you have to go figure out what the actual storyline you have to read on on that to get any of this is yeah and i mean i'm 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 super nerd when it comes to comic books i've literally like since the age of apocalypse i've read every issue of x-men that there is yeah um so for me like but even then like a lot of those issues you only read once and then like if if there's an x-men reference that goes back 10 15 years i'm just like okay yeah i read that but i don't fucking remember it like <laughs> panel for panel um yeah they they could you know everybody's everybody's comic or is uh, somebody's first comic or whatever um they they could handle a lot of those things a little bit better by thinking about that technique a little or bit more just give me a point of reference like if you're referencing something that happened in uncanny x-men 365 like tell me that and i'll go back and i'll, I'll pick it up and look at it yeah for sure but you know that's how people used to get into comic books is like you'd get like an Avengers comic book and it would make a reference to what happened in Iron Man number 60 and then you'd go back to your your fucking drugstore and look for that one on the spinner rack and then you'd grab that one and then it would have a reference to something else that happened in a different book and so then you'd go back the next day and grab that one <laughs> like it's just how it, it it used to be and now there's no comic books on spinner racks like you legitimately have to go to your comic store it, just, order it, it just feels like it's a little bit too much work keeping up with some of this. Like I yeah. do that. That is one of the things that I do enjoy about the DC rebirth universe right now is that I can just, you know, there's a, a, a number of titles, a great number of titles, but there's not a ton of issues so far. I think, you know, we're at number issue number 20 or something like that for the books that started the thing. And it's not too hard to go back and read, you know, through those issues and you're not really lost through the whole thing. And it's really easy to pick up different books and see how they relate a little bit. But, 
Well, and that's kind of another thing too. Like, and I, I think you were almost alluding to this earlier. Is like when DC does something like they did a, an earth shattering like rebirth event. Like, all right, it affected every book yeah. that there was. And <coughs> Marvel every once in a while is just like, you know what? We need to freshen this book up. So now Hawkeye's going to get a number one issue now. Yeah, why not? But the rest of the universe is just going to continue on business as usual for a while. And then now we're going to do She-Hulk. And then everything else continues on the same. Yeah. So. Ironically, given that the state of the, the cinematic properties compared to each other, um, Marvel's, the continuity feels a lot less. Whereas the, the uh, in DC, the whole um, continuity feels a lot more cohesive. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's talk some TV. Uh, you want to rant a little? About some Walking Dead? Yeah. Have you? Yeah. Are you done? Have you caught it uh, the whole thing? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So um, I happened to run across this link and I wanted to throw it in here. Not because um, I haven't read it. We'll go through some of the issues on the show. But uh, this season of The Walking Dead was not great. Um, it's been hit and miss. And it's uh, sort of divided a lot. Like, I, I think that this this season of The Walking Dead has probably shed a lot of audience for them. Yeah, they've lost more viewers this season than any other season um, previously. I, I, will, I will preface this um, with this disclaimer. I did feel the second half of season seven was a lot stronger than the first half. I will give you that. And I'll also say I did overall enjoy the season. It, it's just it's just not up there. Like, it, it's not great. It's kind of halfway between Man of Steel and Donna Justice. <laughs> like, I, I don't think either one of us can legitimately say we hate Dawn of Justice. No. But it definitely had some problems. But, you know, the thing is, is I think we both say that with, uh, the, like, the the shared love of the property and all that kind of stuff. So it's like I'm not sure that I could really hate. You know, I don't know. I guess we could talk about Schumacher's Batman. Yeah, but um, we're Walking Dead fans. I mean, we read the comic book. Uh, yeah, for so. for a while though, you know, um, every now and then there's a really good show on TV, and it just hits me as I'm watching. Like, oh, this is a really good fucking show. Man, these writers have done something amazing here. Look at the screen direction here. Look at the art direction. Uh, by the way, I'm talking about Legion. But anyway, uh, uh the this this show i feel like they want that to be this like they want to be like the oh man this is such a good show but when it comes down to it it's really not like we're not too many rungs removed from like a cw level dude it was though like the first five seasons were were so rock solid <laughs> nah that's not true i mean they're they're varying levels of good and i would i would say that the show started off to me a lot more interesting um and it's sort of you know, it's it's had its hills and valleys, but uh, you know, for example, season two was pretty weak. Um, that was the Shane season, right? Yeah, I think so. Because it took us an entire season to get to Carl killing Shane. It did. Yeah. Uh, so I'll tell you what I liked about the show from the start is that the first book, like the first issue of the comic book and the first episode of the show, was almost panel for panel, and I thought that was beautiful. Yeah, so did I. And then. They veered off from that, which I enjoyed because honestly, as somebody who read the comic books, um, and and I mean, I read a lot of them all at one time due to the nature of graphic novels and what, like, it was not like I was waiting a month for an issue or anything like that. Yeah. So after I started watching the show, I caught up on the comic books and I really appreciated the fact that the show did diverge from the comic book, uh, in a lot of ways, but was still similar enough, you know, to, to still be the walking dead, um, they did a lot of things right when it came to doing that. I don't want to see a carbon copy of every single issue just because of the fact that it gets boring see, after a while. They did. They did some interesting things there. Like um, we've talked about this before, but some of the characters from the comics are long dead in, in the show continuity. Yeah. Carol. 
and vice Carol's versa. Still around. Vice versa, you know, some of the comics in in the show uh, have been dead in the comics for some time. So I don't. I, I like the way that they've used, um, and, and obviously Daryl doesn't exist in the comics at all. Um, so I like the way that they've sort of added their own flair to the uh, pieces of that. But there are points where, like, they diverged from like the spirit of the show or the spirit of the book a little bit too much. You know, like, um, actually, as much as I liked episode one, uh, I think it was either episode one or episode two where they show up at the shopping mall. And it's very clear that, um, the, the, you know, they got the glass doors in the shopping mall and the zombies are outside. And it's very clear that the zombies are using tools and, like, reasoning to get inside. <laughs> and and that was like, I was like, oh, um, that's kind of They dumb. hadn't quite found their feet yet. But, uh, and that was when uh, Darabont was a showrunner. And Darabont wanted to do a lot of different things with it. And that's how we got, like, the CDC shit in, in uh the uh, walking dead you kind of got the impression that darabont was a big fan of the newest incarnation of uh, dawn of the dead yeah i think so i I think he was a little bit he like he was trying to mix properties a little bit yeah and that's kind of the thing about kirkman and i will say this about him is he's been really honest from the beginning about how he doesn't like the traditional zombie movies because after two hours like you really don't have any kind of idea of whether or not anything was learned from this experience or what happened to your heroes or anything like that. Like his, his sole purpose behind the walking dead was to create a scenario where you followed these people beyond the initial onset of a zombie apocalypse. Um, and it was, it was really about what happens to you as a person. Yeah. Like what facets of yourself do you have to change? (laughs) And that, I don't really feel like the season one of the walking dead was necessarily about that. Yeah. See, that's another thing that, um, sort of bothers me about the show's fandom a lot of the time like a lot of the times they're like oh man this this episode was you know really slow and uh you know blah 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 nobody died there's no and, zombies yeah and and that doesn't uh, that doesn't bother me like a lot of the you know heavily character progression episodes uh, um are are really good in fact uh, um i actually, actually really, really enjoy those i i really enjoy the episode uh from this season with tara and the um the village of women by the beach and whatnot yeah. like just because it was it was something different. Like it was a lot brighter than we normally see. And it gave us a little bit of insight into a character that we wouldn't necessarily get to see that much of. Yeah. And, and, you know, I just, that's the way I think they do it. Like this is really a character driven show and the zombies are not really, they're not even really integral to the show. Um, they're, uh, mostly important because they're a force of nature that forces our, our human characters into these situations where this drama can take place. Um, it could be a lot of different things like whatever apocalyptic event, you know, to force the characters into, into something like this could be, um, the thing that does it. So I, I get really kind of annoyed with the fandom when they're like, Oh, it, you know, nobody died and there weren't enough zombies in this episode. Cause that's not really what the show's about. But anyway, no. um, it's CBR. not, it's not, it's not, uh, uh, <coughs> Uh, you know that show with dragons that you like a lot yeah game of thrones game of thrones yeah it's not that it's not somebody doesn't have to die <laughs> well game of thrones is like that too sometimes like the fandom a lot of the times with game of thrones will sometimes be that way too like not enough happened this episode and it's like dude are you even watching the same fucking show i am because like a million things happen if you're just talking about like nobody got a sword in the gut or a dragon didn't eat somebody like yeah that's not gonna happen every episode because that's not how stories work you know but whatever we can't have horse people raping blonde chicks every episode no um it doesn't work out titles no uh okay so let's talk cbr.com <laughs> cbr.com lists a reason of uh, or 15 reasons why season seven of the walking dead sucked uh reason number 15 not enough shiva 
uh, yeah, I'll give you that. But I also was like, they don't have the budget to do this at all. And I didn't even expect that we'd see Shiva. So I was pretty pleasantly surprised with what we got. I honestly think that they, that Shiva's been used really well. Yeah, so far so good. Uh, number 14, Negan was scarier as a mystery. I call bullshit on this one, too. I, I call bullshit on this one, too. And I'm going to guess that's from the comic book reader background of, like, the that's not exactly... Uh, the mystery of Negan was, I thought, way overplayed in the show. And that's not what makes Negan interesting as a character. My problem with Negan in the show is that Jeffrey Dean Morgan is so fucking good. I have a hard time rooting against Negan. Yeah, it's like uh, watching AJ Styles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't care, care if he's a heel. Like, yeah, he just he's so fucking good. Okay, this one, this one I can legit gripe about. The Scavengers. Uh apparently 2 years into the apocalypse, everybody catches autism in this group and uh they can't speak right apparently all of a sudden. Yeah, this 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 is this is one of those uh situations where they tried to <coughs> um deviate from the the comic book storyline and do something different and okay. you know, um acting is about choices. <laughs> So, brief question, uh, um, and maybe spoilers for uh, uh, show watchers who aren't comic book readers, but do you think it's possible, given the way that the season ended, also spoilers, I guess, if you are a show watcher, um, do you think it's possible that they're setting this group up to be something else? Like the Whispers? Yeah. Um, God, I don't think so. I, I kind of hope not, because they, they these people just annoy the fuck out of me. Like, I kind of want to hope, I'm kind of hoping that season eight opens up with um, Rick just fucking skull fucking their whole group. I mean, Janice is really rocking those bangs. She is. Those but, are pretty. You know, yeah. Reason number 12, uh, Rick's a sucker. Um, Rick's not a sucker. He's not, though. I don't, I don't. One of the few things that the show gets right consistently is, is how well, um, help me out uh rick yeah his name uh fucking rick grimes but uh the yeah, guy's no, lincoln uh, link uh andrew lincoln yeah God, i gotta stop drinking so much before we start doing the show <laughs> no um andy lincoln does a, a a fucking fantastic job of capturing the character of rick grimes and yeah see my one of my only criticisms against the show is that they're they're one trick ponying him a little bit this season and and that's what I don't like. Like he can do more than I think they're giving him this season. I think he's getting there. Like there's been some some moments between he and Michelle or Michelle Michonne that yeah. that lead me to believe that he's getting a little long in the tooth and, and ready to to kind of settle in and and rule from afar, so to speak. Yeah. Uh no, but I, but I, I think I think his character is actually done right. Um. This one I can kind of get on board with. Number eleven. Yeah, Rosita's not necessarily bullet. Rosita's one bullet, but Rosita's character in general this season has been kind of meh to me. Yeah, um, I'm a loose cannon. Yeah, she's taking the, the the loss of Abraham a little harder than I think she should. Uh, but whatever. Yeah, I I guess I, I guess that's not even really fair to say because they had been together for a fairly long time at this point in the series. Um, but uh, yeah, a little nuts. Number ten. Richard's cantaloupe. I completely disagree with this one too because I thought that was one of the best episodes of the entire season. Yeah, I, I think so too. The only thing that I think is weird, um, and and I talked about this with somebody, which is, uh, so we got we got Morgan who won't kill anybody, including the wolf, who's like <laughs> we talked about this last week before, we totally killing everybody. And Morgan, what what pushes him over the edge? It's is it Negan bashing his friends fucking brains in? Is it uh, uh, the saviors who keep stealing food from the people he's trying to save and protect? Uh, no, it's the other fucking guy who just wants them to fight the saviors. Uh, and so he kills that guy. No, but that guy led to the death of the kid that Morgan had kind of adopted. And he really, really, like, really felt like he was getting through to that kid 
Yeah, but even still, it's like all the shit that you've seen and gone through over the yeah. last few seasons. Like it's this was a, this is exactly why to me, The Walking Dead. Like when when I think about the show, I think man, it's trying really hard to be good, but it's just not sometimes. And this is one of those moves that I I think that that becomes obvious. Yeah, no, I I still overall think this is one of the better episodes, but like given the circumstances this caught Morgan at like the worst possible time because I think it was, it was at a time when he was realizing that he really was going to have to fight at some point. Yeah. And it just manifested in one of the ugliest fucking ways it could possibly manifest. Yeah. Uh, But Richard was going to die anyway. So whatever. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Number nine, Daryl leaving the kingdom. Um, The article basically argues that Daryl leaving the kingdom put the rest of the groups in in a lot of, uh, um, Harm's way, essentially. And they're not wrong, but Daryl being alive does that, so whatever. Yeah, I don't think that any one of the members of e- any of the groups, though, would have really objected to the ex- the the added scrutiny that comes from the Saviors by having Daryl among you. Like, uh, Daryl is just that guy that you want on your team. Yeah. Like, you're going to have to fight the Saviors anyway. You might as well not have him hidden away in some secret fortress. Yeah. Number eight, uh, the saviors were just bullies. And so what this, this is kind of almost the same point as like the whole Negan was scarier when he was a mystery sort of bullshit. Um, and th- this is basically saying they, they didn't like the saviors as a group this season because it turns out they're just bullies. And I mean, if you, if by bullies you mean they'll fucking kill you over next to nothing. They will uh, shut um, that shit down. They will shut that shit down. And uh, if you mean making continued existence, you know, by, by being able to feed yourself incredibly, incredibly fucking difficult. Yeah, that, that I guess they're just bullies. But again, this is another like, no, I thought they got this, the characterization of the saviors mostly yeah. right. So, so. CBR.com, here's, here's how it works. If you get your lunch money stolen by a bully at school, you are hungry at lunchtime. But then you go home and you have your after school snack and your dinner and everything else and you're fine. <laughs> yeah, um, your mom says, oh, you look a little bit packaged today. When the yeah. saviors steal your lunch money, they literally are taking half of everything you own. Yeah, and it's not exactly like there's just a grocery their store you walk down half, to. Not yours. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. Half half has been very mercurial uh, in the Savior's mind. Uh, number seven, I think I'll give him this one. Rick did nothing for half the season. Yeah, that's true. And, and I think the, I guess the criticism here is basically that they had episodes that didn't solely focus on Rick. Which uh, you know, I don't even know if I want to hang with that one too much. Yeah. Number six, Olivia's death. Um, yeah, this one was kind of dumb too. And, and, you know, like, it's like this last episode, they, they were kind of like, oh, yeah, remember that character that died? We better throw a line in about that uh, so that people, you know, try to make that be Wasn't a thing. Tara fucking her, though? Yeah, that and that's the whole thing. Like, it's been nothing. And then this last episode, they're like, and they killed Olivia. Uh, um, and Tara said that line, I think, when uh, fucking, not Daryl, um, Dwayne, Dwight? Dwight. Dwight. When Dwight came back. Uh, I mean, we can call him Dwayne if you want. It's kind yeah. of fun. <laughs> he killed Olivia. Er, he, they killed Olivia. And, you know, she was trying to get all uppity about that. In fact, in spite of the fact that, you know, she hadn't really been mentioned much uh, for the last season. Number five. I would just fucking say no to this one. Carol did nothing all season. Are you guys watching the same show? That's kind of the fucking point. Carol was supposed to do nothing the whole season because the whole thing with Carol right now is the moral complexity of her wanting to get away from these people who she loves and cares so much about that she's willing to do just about anything to protect and that scares her. And so the whole point of her this entire season was for her to go do fucking nothing even though they need Carol because let's face it everybody, Carol is OP. Carol comes into the game and everybody starts complaining because her character is just way too overpowered and it's just not fair. It's like choosing odd job and fucking odd job with golden guns is the level Carol's at right now. 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah. just in fact, I think it was Chris Hardwick just this last week that that talked <clears throat> about like playing Goldeneye and having the uh, no odd job sleepovers. Yeah. Like <laughs> you would stay up all night playing playing fucking Goldeneye, but like if like you weren't allowed to use odd job because yeah, fuck nobody could kill that guy, dude. Yeah, that's funny. Hardwick's a little bit older than we are. Uh, so but I remember doing that same thing. But we were playing. I was playing it when I was like eleven or twelve. Um, but yeah, that that was definitely like anybody who played Goldeneye for any extended period of time eventually had a no odd job rule most of the time. <laughs> odd job versus jaws was probably the worst but whatever um number four tara at oceanside we just uh, talked about how we, we like this episode we like this episode so okay fuck this point number three okay i'll give him this one the oceanside raid um yeah i didn't really like this at all it was weird yeah i mean i really thought rick was gonna go there and he's gonna like reason with them and, and convince them to fight with the saviors and he's just like nah give me your shit because I'd, apparently the way that we fight the saviors who are we mostly want to fight because they keep stealing our shit um is to go steal other people's shit I just, I think it's funny <coughs> I, I, that that old lady was just like, and, and this is probably the worst done piece of this whole thing. And she's like, no, my people aren't going to join you, even though a bunch of them really did want to join. And like, yeah. she was just like, no, you can't. Okay, fine. Take them weapons, but you can't take my people. Like, yeah. And like all, all right. those girls are just like, we're going to just go. I mean, you can't really. It's the apocalypse. Like I don't get in trouble if I'm out after curfew. Yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, I don't really understand how that. How we can't go unless everybody says, "Well, bullshit." Yes, you can. Yeah, you just walk away. You just all of a sudden are that group now. You're not this group. You're that group. Yeah. Number two, Dwight's sandwich, and um, I'm, I'm gonna have to skim this one because I don't even know what the fuck they're talking about. Um, this was uh toward the beginning of the season. This was actually the episode that showed Daryl uh in the um in the room listening to the music uh twenty four seven and whatnot. <laughs> Dwight made the the really tasty looking sandwich, and then he made the Daryl sandwich with the fucking dog food on it. Okay, so I mean, they're saying The Walking Dead has a pacing problem, but this is entirely deliberate. They did exactly this to show you that exactly what Dwight's doing. He's making this delicious fucking sandwich that should be nigh on impossible to get in the apocalypse, and uh, it, just to show the dichotomy between the fucking dog shit sandwich that they fed uh, uh, Daryl. Yeah. So again, CBR. I don't. I just don't even it, know. It it it's. I, I I liken it to um, Eugene's pickles. Yeah, Eugene's pickles was that. That was a little ridiculous. Like if they replaced the pickles with the sandwich, I probably would be on board. Um, number one, Abraham and Glenn's death. Now I don't know that we're going to disagree on this, except for maybe behind by, but the, for their reasoning. Um, I have uh, you know already said on the show that I wasn't really a big fan of how they handled this episode at all. Uh, I think the deaths needed to happen. The brutality of them uh, um, was also something that I think was that that eye pop by Glenn was amazing. Yeah, I do think that was something that was pretty. Uh, I, divisive and I, I can see why it was divisive but i don't necessarily disagree with the choice to do it either um but i do not like how the, they they did this episode at all so, well see here's the thing and this is cbr.com so obviously it's comic book related and whatnot but like there's there's a line of 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 text in here um and it says what was frustrating about this is that it was the most obvious conclusion glenn was famously killed off in the same way in the comics okay I'm gonna stop you right there because a good portion of the people that watch the show though didn't read the comics, and so, and I don't think even as somebody who did read the comics, like I think Glenn's death was still meaningful in this particular episode. I just hated, and and you want to talk pacing problems? This episode is the pacing problem. Yeah, see, that's the thing, guys. Um, pacing problems, and uh, what's not 
what the problem was with these set of deaths were not that they were foreshadowed or um, very, very heavily indicated to be coming. What the problem was with these deaths is they tried to make it this big fucking mystery, like nobody knew what was going to happen. Um, when in actuality, the most logical conclusion for to make any decent show was to do the deaths, and they even tried to do that for like twenty of the twenty minutes of this fucking episode. With Rick uh, and, laying on top of a fucking motorhome with zombies all yeah, around it, trying to continue this mystery out. I thought it was a synchronized swimming video at first. Yeah. It just that that made zero sense. It did not need to be that way. You know what else happened? Very other famous death scene uh, for Game of Thrones. I'll just say the Red Wedding, so I don't ruin it for Matt. I'm sure you've heard of that event. Um, you know what they did not do? They did not spend you know six episodes leading into the big question mark of who was going to get it. Uh, even though anybody who's read the book knows exactly who that is and should be, and they just did it the way that they did it in the book, and they made it every bit as poignant I, and satisfying I as guess, they did in the book. Yeah, I guess my problem with season seven is that a good portion of it should have been in season six because Negan shouldn't have been such a mystery in season six. That season six was probably worse in that way, in that we knew Negan was around. Yeah, but we didn't see him. For see, a long and ass that's fucking the thing. Time. Like the, their first, the, one of their first points is like the the mystery of Negan was scarier, and it's like, well, no, it was duh, annoying. Duh, it has to be. And and it, secondarily, it was just annoying. The only reason it was scarier is because they mischaracterized that whole thing to begin with. Um, like the but, I am Negan thing. Like that's that's fucking stupid. Yeah, I don't like that at all. See that part, I I don't mind as much. It is a little ridiculous, but what I do mind is like he's he can't be anything other than a, a guy he can be a, a suitably powerful guy um but there's only so far you can go because this world does have rules um he can't actually be some like omnipotent wizard who's going to be terrifying forever and they're not going to suddenly reveal that he's actually an agent of lucifer and he's got secret powers or something like that and he single-handedly unleashed <clears throat> the zombie apocalypse on the entire populace so i mean i guess what they're saying is they needed to have a big mystery until he showed up on screen for five minutes and he was killed because that's the only way way you maintain that air of mystique otherwise he's got to be on the screen which means that the mystery is largely taken away and it turns out he's just a guy who has a very particular set of um uh rules about how we work in the uh, uh, undead you know future I, I will say this dwight and his duplicity in the last episode and spoilers if you haven't seen it but i mean if you listen to the show long enough you know that we spoil shit anyway but um shows up in alexandria and says he wants to help yeah and then like three frames later like he's standing side by side with negan holding lucille like that exchange had never happened yeah and there was no explanation for that really yeah there's like i said there's there's a lot of problems with the show i just i'm surprised that the ones they picked yeah, this this wasn't a very good list, CBR. Yeah. Mainly because most of them were wrong. Yeah, stop being wrong, and we'll talk about it. But see, I think this is also because I, I don't hate this show nearly a lot as, as much as um, a lot of people do. Like, The Verge has this thing, um, which is like the Walking Dead Quitters Club. And so, I don't know, I guess they run a column that's all about how you don't watch The Walking Dead, which... If that doesn't sound really ridiculous to you, I don't know what does. Um, and then, of course, they have a, Dude, another... We should, we should do a podcast every week about how we don't watch Desperate Housewives. Yeah, they have another counter argument, which is like why the, the show's still good and, and, you know, whatever. But yeah, that's that's it. Walking Dead, season seven, not the best season. Wasn't her- wasn't horrible. It's just I think season five kind of crushed it. And I think season six, um, there was all this uh, blow off with, with a really lackluster... Uh, uh, it, finish so season six i think is the one that bothers me the most just because of the fact that negan's presence was being felt but 
but we didn't actually have Negan. And I don't, I think we could have resolved the Negan situation by the end of the season rather than just exacerbating it by the end of the season. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I season eight, I hope, um, is going to be a, a little bit of a, um, renaissance for the show because now we're getting into all out war. And so, uh, if they don't wrap this up in season eight, like I, it just can't go on. There's rumors that season eight's it. <laughs> season eight would not be the worst place to stop. I, I could see how they could tie it up after season eight. Well, I, I'm just saying like, we've always had, even though there's deviation from the comic book storyline, like we've always had kind of uh, a general storyboarding done for us already. And once we get to season eight, like they're going to catch up to continuity, like pretty quick. And yeah. at that point, then you're totally either either Kirkman is going to have to like lay out what he's already got planned for the comic books, which spoils it for the comic book readers some, or they're going to have to just diverge completely. Well, right now, I'd say at the most, there's 10 seasons of content um, just based off of what we got from the comic books. I would right give now. it nine because honestly, the whispers, I don't think could last an entire season the way that it was done in the comic books because no, it was really drawn out in the comic books. And not the way I, some I of those it, books literally took place over a half a day. It would really legitimately crush the viewership of the show, too, because the way that this season's gone with uh, Negan, if they were to stretch the Whisperer's arc um, the way that they have, I think that that would be the the death knell for a lot of the audience. Um, <coughs> so I don't see it going that long either. Um, but yeah, I just... But they... I, I can't see them this being a 20-season show. So it, it seems like if they were going to stop um, stopping at the end of All at War would probably not be a bad choice. Um, but yeah, and the other thing too is so uh, uh, Kirkman tells him, tells the showrunners where he wants to go with it. I mean, are they going to you know stick the whole resolution of the thing into a season? I, like, I don't know how many of these Kirkman's planning on doing, but um, it just seems like that'd be a weird way to wrap this up. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. They're like, um, we're gonna skip this whole vast chapter of mat- or, you know materials. Let's just face it with with an enemy <laughs> called the Whispers, you're not gonna have a ton of dialogue. No, no. so it's gonna be a, a little bit of a dialogue light season. Yeah. All, All right. right, I'm thirsty. Yeah. So, does anybody know the origin of Izzy's name? So years and years ago, when I was still married to my ex, and and she was pregnant with my first daughter, Emmy, um. I really, really had grand designs if she was a boy that I wanted to name her Izzy after Izzy Cole from the movie Rockstar. <laughs> and and so Casey, when we adopted when we adopted this dog, like she was like, you, you want to name her Izzy since you never got to name your kid that? And I was like, you know what? I do. <laughs> That's funny because I got to say that 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 um, let's just say that movie has a small but passionate fan base. I enjoy that movie a lot. I do, but I realize why I shouldn't. Well, but but it is one of those movies that like I, I like, even though it's not really a great movie. Okay, so I'm a nerd, which makes me like this movie even more. And and it's it's this. It's twofold. Number one, um, I actually think it's a really well done story. And it's kind of loosely based on the Judas Priest story. It is, yeah. Um, with Rob Halford and whatnot. Uh, secondly, I'm a huge Black Label Society fan. And both Zach Wilde and Nick Katniss are in that movie. Like, See, and that's throughout. what I'm saying. Like, that's why we like that movie at all, probably, because um, the movie's not great, but, th- but we like that because of those two things, those two ties. I, I also and love it because because before he joins the band, when he's at his at his day job and he's like fixing the copy or whatever, he, he looks up at the guy and the guy's like, "You wear an eyeliner." And he's like, "I'm in a band." Like, so matter of fact, it was fucking amazing. 
Yeah. Anyway. All right. What are you talking about? You want to talk comics? Should um, we talk some comics? I'm going to talk a little bit about some some other stuff that I'm doing this week. Okay. So, I, I, I'm just, we're so, I, we still haven't gotten the rhythm down for the segues. I'm always like, let's talk about the next thing in the show notes. And you're like, no, for, for something else. And you even just told me. I did. Like, like five seconds ago. ago like, we're going to do some other stuff in the middle. And I'm like, nah, show notes right there. Right? And I don't have a memory. So whatever. You're, you're, like, you're, you're, like, we're never going to be able to do TV because you'll be ruled, ruled by the cue cards. But by the fuck, I mean, uh, I'm Ron Go Burgundy. fuck yourself, San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, I just um, I figured by the time we get to like a hundred of these, I'll just be uh, practically an Alzheimer's patient. Yeah, you'll have to like wheel me out and be like, "I'm Matt. You remember Matt, right? Yeah, I remember when we first started the show years ago, though. We can say that now. We sat at the table at the coffee table in my old house with with our stupid little snowball mic, mm-hmm. trying to get both of us right. And it was quality and quality we, podcasting, and we talked about Stargate SG One because you'd started rewatching it. I did. And and then <laughs> like we a stopped. week later, <laughs> yeah. Um, I have since watched it almost in its entirety. In fact, I was just telling Eddie that I just started um, this afternoon. I started Stargate SG One season ten, Stargate Atlanta season three because they they they're the sister seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm almost there, man. Like, I've how many did SG One go? Did 10. they go? To, they went to ten. That's yeah. what I thought. So Atlantis ran for two seasons after uh, SG One stopped because I'm yep. pretty sure they went five. Yeah, they did. They did. they went five because we had uh, season ten, and then uh, season four of Atlantis is when uh, Sam joined. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the cast of of Atlantis because she's apparently the only one of the SG one crew that wanted continued employment. Yeah. Uh, so she went there, and then uh, I believe it was one movie came out right before season five. And then the other movie came out like five episodes into season five. Like it was, they were staggered by like a month and a half or something like that. The the straight to DVD yeah. uh, releases. And actually I really enjoyed, um, Arc of Truth was good. Yeah. Uh, better than Continuum. Continuum was the second one they did. And it was just like a weird story involving Ball. And I was like, didn't we defeat the goal like three seasons ago? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I was a little disappointed with that one too. I, I I do like Ball as a character, and I I love the guy that plays him. I don't remember his name, but he no. he's he's such a a fucking sinister like villainous character that just slimy. Like yeah, I I remember season nine they they have an episode where he like as a businessman and he's dressed up in like this nice suit and whatnot, and I'm like, yep, he's kind of Lex Luthor. Yep, like way better than <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg. They should cast him for uh, Lex Luthor. He would have been much more convincing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I am. I'm almost done with that. I'm. I'm really enjoying um, my my uh, flashbacks to to SG One and, and Atlantis. Those are two of my favorite shows. I really do think that there's an audience uh, available if they can figure out how to successfully reboot those shows, which wouldn't take much. I think. Um, you know, like some of the SG-1 stuff nowadays like with sets and, and some of those things are a little bit cringy but the idea is still basically there and still golden and I think that if if treated well they could do well with it and you know it doesn't have to get all deep and like where I think Universe fell over is they were like oh we gotta go all uh, grimdark and, and make it like Battlestar Galactica and uh, because that was successful at the time and th- that I don't really think is what SGU is I, like it's a lot more pulpy sci-fi sort of um you know, like Star Trek, kind of. It 
it's weird in that it's it's kind of like um it's kind of like Star Trek in that it it it, it makes a very solid attempt at being like hard sci-fi. Yeah. Cuz there's like definitely scientific explanations behind how things well, happen, no, but they're not exactly like We should quantify hard hard sci-fi. It's not hard sci-fi. Well, I no, mean, I'm 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 saying they're making an attempt at 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 doing it, yeah. but it's still uh at a level that's super enjoyable without getting so up well, its, it's own ass it's with like, science. That... Well, it is. It is very much in that regard, like Star Trek. Like they, they do have you know basic. You know, like Star Trek has like two angles. They have like, oh, we can, um, you know, like basically anytime somebody hears the first theory of relativity, they're like, well, here's how we could you know fi- fix that, and we could do faster than light travel or something like that. Or anytime you've ever heard string theory very briefly explained, you know, with like the well, we take the piece of paper and we fold it in half, uh, you know, that kind of like you sci-fi. You take the paper and yeah. Fold, well, <laughs> yeah. Um, thanks, thanks, Stephen. <laughs> so anything, any anytime you've ever heard anything like that, I think like Star Stargate, Star uh, Star Trek, those are the types of you know like science levels we get to. Um, but really, as soon as you move a little bit further away, it, it's just basically bullshit techno babble. Like. Um, uh, uh, Did you ever read uh, Neuromancer by Robert Gibson? Most of it. That's hard sci-fi, and I, yeah. it's, it's almost unpalatable because it's just like, fuck, dude. Like, I don't care that much about half of the shit that you're talking well, about. It's like, it- it's like reading an Anne Rice vampire book and, and listening to or reading how she describes, like, the um, the flats in New Orleans where they live. And then you realize you're, like, fucking 50 pages into the chapter and you haven't seen a fucking vampire yet. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, hard sci-fi has its place. Like, there's certain things I like about it. Like, I really enjoyed Inter- Interstellar, and I'd, I wouldn't go so far as to call that hard sci-fi either, but it was much, very much more, especially for a mainstream Hollywood thing, uh, um, rooted in the the realm of reality versus, you know, just sort of, like, the, the BS stuff that you can get into with sci-fi. Like, um, it's going to seem fantastical to people who haven't even cursorily, because it's not like I've studied, I don't want to say studied, but um, like the time dilation idea in that movie is going to seem very like, Stargate too. yeah, um, but that that is a thing, you know, and, and those are the types of things you get. It's just that, you know, with Star Trek, sometimes you get like the, the solution of like, we just, we have to recalibrate the uh, phasers and set torpedoes to uh, uh, knock out tachyons or something like that. Like, no, Captain, I got to beam down and I got to put these pattern buffers around us and then the sensors be able to pick us up and beam us back. Yeah. Is that trip? You doing trip right now? <laughs> no, that was actually my, my, uh, combination of kunta kente and jordi laforge <laughs> wonderful <laughs> if there's not fan art out there already like that i wouldn't be so like uh um like i stopped w- short of calling picard massive because i didn't really want to go that yeah. far <laughs> but i mean if if he's not like somewhere in kunta form uh, um, uh you know crudely drawn uh complaining about how he's you know just got to pick all these warp cores or something i did i did um the uh the actor who plays trip though um, yeah, is in Atlantis um, as of like a half a season ago. From, yeah, because he was the the wraith that they turned human that ended up turning back. Michael, Michael. I think is yeah. his name. Yeah, yeah, he was. That's actually I saw him in that before I ever saw um, Enterprise. I think obviously because I think that was on first. But yeah, I, th- I think time uh, will do that. Trenier, what what's his name? Fucking, I think that's his last name is Trenier. Something Trenier. I don't fucking know. But I I like him. Um, I liked him as as Trip in. Uh, Enterprise. I think he was one of the most likable things in Enterprise. Yeah. That and the dog. Yeah. Um I don't know. I don't know where else to go with this. Um what else you got? Um Yeah, that's just the, the, that's what I was gonna say is is 
because I've watched this series in such kind of a short period of time, like I really enjoy the fact that like from the first episode, it's like, oh, this is Stargate. We've been through it once and shit went bad and we blew some shit up with a nuke. Let's do it again. And then like it goes from that to like, and then you look and you're like, oh, I'm at season 10. And like somewhere along the lines, we got like these ships with Asgard technology and we have faster than light engines and, and beaming technology. And yeah. It's, it's practically Star Trek by the end, but it's amazing. Like, because yeah, it, it feels it was, like a natural progression. Like it's one of those things that you're, you're, it, I wanted so badly when I, when I was doing the rewatch of this, like to get to those key episodes where some of these things like came to light. Yeah. And man, it's, excuse me, one of the best shows. If you're a sci-fi nerd, I actually do can, remember thinking, like when I when I, when you watch the beginning of it and then you hear how it progresses, uh, um, it sounds a little ridiculous. Like it's like supernatural. When when I'm like, "Hey, how's supernatural going?" and my wife's like, "Uh, well, they beat the devil and then they beat the devil's successor and now they, I think they fought God a couple of times and they just actually le- like legitimately killed Hitler in this last episode." Dude, and one of the one of my favorite episodes <laughs> of all time because Dean got to hil- kill Hitler and I was like. Dean killed Hitler. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and but that's exactly it. Like that's the fan reaction. Like the people who watch the show are not like, oh man, this is stupid. They're like, oh yeah, this this show just keeps getting better. You know, twelve or something seasons. In. I think it's so, been renewed for like two more. So that, that's how I felt about uh, Stargate. Essentially, as I was watching it, is like they keep progressing, and it's kind of like it, it does actually make a logical sort of sense. It's, it's just there is a little bit of like. Uh, you can see the writers of like, how do we make this? How do we up the ante a little bit? Because after you beat the Gwaulds, you know, so many times, it's like, uh, I think that actually becomes almost a joke by season eight. Like the, they, they literally, literally uh, uh, kind of laugh at it a little bit. The, the piece where I think they went a little bit too far, I think, was when they landed Atlantis in like San Francisco Bay or something like that. Yeah. Because it was one thing when I was like, oh, they're going to move. The, they're going to Atlantis. They're going to fly it. It's going to fly. Yeah. They're going to move it. And they moved it from one planet to another. But they were still in Pegasus at that point. Mm-hmm. But then when they just took it and they're like, yeah, we're just going to fly it to Earth. And I was like, um, but why? <laughs> <clears throat> like if they'd gotten renewed for season six, I'd have been like, well, this is this is weird now because they're on Earth. Like that doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. I have to assume that that's the only reason that happened because if they gotten renewed for season six, it would have been a whole different show at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Because season five was kind of weird of Atlantis. Like it had some, it had a lot of like they're like, well, we're not going to come back. So just do whatever the fuck you want this episode. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> All right. You want to talk some coffee books? Well, very briefly, I have my own like little. Uh, oh, you didn't uh, tell derail. me ahead of time. Well, it's actually in the show notes. You have thing. to fill. Oh, you were going to talk Dune. Yeah, it, I was. I wanted we to mention it. this. We skipped Dune. We did. Um, so I, I mentioned I mentioned this because I don't think we've talked about this already. But Dune is being made into a feature film, um, which is crazy. Uh, there is already a Dune adaptation. It's not great um, <clears throat> because Dune is seen as one of those things that you just cannot adapt meaningfully. Um, have you ever read Dune? Um, I saw the original adaptation of it a long, long time ago. I haven't read, I've not read it. Okay. So, um, your opinion doesn't count then because the book is way better. Um, well, obviously, but you know, that, that attempt to adapt Dune is, uh, largely one of the reasons like, uh, everybody says, you know, like you can't make this out of it and then uh, you can't adapt this series of books and then occasionally it's done well. 
And so you're like, oh, see, you can adapt anything. And Dune, Dune is very much still in the camp of like, you cannot adapt this property to the screen. So uh, I threw this link in the show notes because there's a little piece of news and I just wanted to bring up the fact that Dune, Dune is being remade. Uh, and there's some cool news here. So number one is, uh, th- this link is actually to, uh, the, the article that explains that Dune's got a screenwriter who happens to be uh, the award-winning writer of Forrest Gump. Um, so, you know, I cleverly put a tiny little joke in the, the beginning that's entirely too obvious, but um, in the show notes anyway. Uh, secondarily, the guy de- uh, ad- adapting it is uh, Villa fucking, what's his name? Um, I'm going to have to find it. Hold on. Hold on. Where's it go? Do, 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 do. It's, it's got to be in this article right now, uh, and I don't see it. So that's well. Really everything funny. you've called this week uh, has been from CBR. Dennis so. uh, Dallas Villeneuve, Villeneuve, Villeneuve. Oh fuck, man, this Villeneuve? is bad. Uh, Villeneuve, Villeneuve, Villeneuve. Is the of silent? Yeah. Villeneuve. But um, Dennis Dennis has done some good work. <laughs> we know him, so we can call him Dennis. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I'm gonna have to look that up because uh, he's one of those directors. God, I I should be able to know this, but um, he's one of those directors that you y- he gets attached to a project and you you're immediately uh, like, oh, this is gonna be a, a good thing. Like I- I'm excited about this. Um, why is IMDb not the first search result? Come on, get your shit together. Uh, Duck Duck Go in this case. I don't know. I switched to Duck Duck Go. Maybe this is why I need to switch back to Google. I don't know. Yeah, DuckDuckGo, really? Yeah. That happened? Well, their privacy conscious is the thing. And so I, I, I kind of care we about We don't have privacy. privacy anymore. Yeah, we, well, we don't right now. but Congress said we don't. So Congress you know. is like, hey, we'll sell your privacy. Um, the, the Comcast needs more money. Hurry up and give them your privacy. Um, Comcast needs more money so they can pay us more money to pass these laws. Yep, basically. So he has directed such films as Arrival um that's probably the biggest one lately not to be confused with the arrival starring charlie sheen yeah he did cosmos gosh i I think i'm thinking um he's he's uh also doing blade runner 2049 that's interesting enemy prisoners rated r for nudity incendies polytechnic next floor happiness man i i recognize his name and i don't know why Maybe he's done something else, writer or something like that. No. Maybe he's not the first Villeneuve whose name you've butchered. 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 It's possible. You know, it's possible. Um, it would be weird, though, because I pretty much get all the names right, usually. No, I made that up. Um, okay, so anyway, Dune's the thing. It's happening. It's got a cool director attached to it. It's got a, a, an accomplished screenwriter attached to it. Um, I presume that they're all aware it's an unfilmable property and are doing their best to combat that. Uh, and really capture the essence of the book and good fucking luck to you because it's going to be difficult or or we get dune the parody it could be this could become like uh like the room levels of like bad movie um all right so before before we move on oh wait and you're gonna throw another another in there i told you i was gonna do this before the show ever started um i'm i'm gonna throw in a cheap plug uh for uh some friends of mine yeah Go for it. All right. So if you happen to be in the Willamette Valley in Oregon, um, take 30, 40 minutes and go out of your way and drive to Lyons, Oregon and visit North Fork Crossing. That's, that is Lyons with an 
with a Y if you're if you're Googling yes, it. Yes, L Y O N S. Um, it's owned by a couple friends of mine. They uh, actually have a pretty neat little establishment there. Um, great view. I mean, it's it's kind of in a neatly little wooded area. Um, awesome pizza. Eddie actually had a piece of it when we brought it back. Um, it, it was amazing. It was the Ron Swanson. It it, it, it had it all of the meat. Yeah, it is as good as it sounds. It's it's uh. I don't know. It's um, outside of Staten, so I'd probably put this about a half hour outside of uh, um, Salem. It's it's forty minutes from here. Yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, like, th- this is pizza that was good enough that I would actually consider a trip just for the pizza. Yeah, it was it was delicious. Now it is good pizza, so you're you are paying good pizza prices um, because cheap pizza is not good. Like, if you want Little Caesars, you know, go pay five bucks and and have something that's going to give you the shits tomorrow. Um, yeah it's fine you want good pizza though um go to north fork crossing they have other food too it's not just pizza but that's what we got today um they have uh um they've got four regular taps and then they have i think four rotating taps um and i believe everything on the rotating taps is from sandy m brewing which is is based out of salem um so there's some local brew available um i had the what did i have it was a double IPA, which is why I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> I'm going to look that up right now, though. Um, Bloody Hell Imperial IPA. Yeah. Uh, nice. In, by Sandy and Brewing. It was, it was delicious. The pizza was good. Atmosphere is great. My friends weren't there. I was really hoping I was going to you know, catch up with them because I haven't actually talked to these guys in several years. But I did uh, text one of them in the middle of, of dinner and was like, hey, you fucker, why aren't you here? And it turned out <laughs> it's because he was in Bend. That's funny. Um, but anyway, North Fork Crossing, go check it out. Have some pizza, have some beer, uh, tip the waitress. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and like I said, I did get to eat some of that pizza and I can uh, verify it is good. And I have no horse in this race. Uh, I don't know these guys. I mean, fuck them, but they make good pizza. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, they didn't make the pizza. Cause they well, I mean, their, their restaurant is, it is over overseeing the making of good pizza, which to me is a win. Yeah. These are Jefferson kids <laughs> that I, that I kind of grew up with a little bit. So yeah, that explains why it's out in lions. I mean, that's the only, that's the only part that's even a little off putting dude. It's weird. And, and they were going to open up a restaurant in Jefferson. Actually, my understanding is they were going to open up the restaurant in Jefferson. And then there was too many fees, like permits and licenses and stuff like that, that just, it was, it wasn't going to be cost effective for them to open up there. So they just bought a, a restaurant that had, um, previously shut down and and yeah. set up shop there and and it seems to be doing well because it's I mean there's people in there when I was there tonight food was delicious so I'm definitely gonna go back cool so anyhow all right let's let's uh let's talk some comic books shall we all right so uh did you re- did you finish Superman Reborn probably I not not no do you care if I spoil a little bit of it uh, you can spoil I don't, I don't know actually maybe that is one of the books I actually do care about so it's it's I won't tell you how or why or what or when or where, but this is how Superman gets red boots. Oh. Um, and I can tell you that there <sighs> is now no longer a, there was a new 52 Superman and then there was the original Superman. Like it is now essentially like one cohesive Superman that they've managed to like blend Interesting. into one character. Um, now, okay. Now I'm going to have to read that like next. Cause um i'm really curious about how they do that <laughs> so and this is in the show notes too but i did recommend to eddie that he read the um uh green arrow uh like mini arc 
about uh, Roy Harper, the return of Roy Harper. I did uh, get an issue into that, and it's it's good. I actually really like it. Yeah, you'll get in. You'll you'll enjoy it even more when you finish it. It's uh, it's like I said, it's kind of a mini arc, so it's really only the two issues. I don't know. It does kind of lead you to believe that maybe Roy Harper might stick around occasionally in the book. I don't know if he's going to be a permanent character, um, but I, that was one of my biggest questions because I know about the relationship between Roy Harper and Green Arrow pre New Fifty Two. Yeah, but how they managed to to tell that story again uh, was pretty clever. I, I enjoyed it. You'll enjoy it. Yeah. Um, let's talk about something we did both read. Shall about we? Batman. I am Bane. Bane. Um, the ending for this was a little disappointing. Uh, but other than that, I, I really enjoyed the whole book. Like, um, you basically have Bane, and he's full on Bane rage mode, and he's owning everything. Like. He's walking through Arkham, basically just dominating everything. Uh, Solomon Grundy comes out and he does this, you know, I'm Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday. And uh, Bane has none of that shit. Bane, like, neuters him right there on the spot. <laughs> yeah, just hands him his balls and is like, no, thank you. Um, he, he, you know, defeats the, the, the Riddler. He defeats a Scarecrow. He goes through just the whole, you know, catalog, basically, um, in order to get to bats. Um, Bane ran the train on Arkham. He did. He really did. One man train. <laughs> he did. Uh, but when it's Bane, you know, that that's you got more cars than you could logically account for. So um, so Bane, like I was reading this and I was telling Matt, like, oh, Bane's really overpowered in this. Um, and this is actually it, it makes sense because, you know, Bane is one of probably the scarier figure figures in Batman's rogues he's, gallery. And he's all hopped up on <laughs> the venom. Yeah, I mean, Batman, uh, Bane is the one who broke the bat, uh, so it makes sense that they're making him be a big deal, and uh, they're making him exactly this scary, um, and I was fine with that. What I didn't like really was the ending, which is uh, Bass getting the shit kicked out of him, and then throwing a, a, a headbutt. One and massive headbutt. That's, that's the, we call it a day. Um, yeah, that's kind of what disappointed me about it, too, was just like the, the one singular uh, singular headbutt. The other thing, too, is like when he was like, you're forgetting one thing and he was like, I'm Batman. I was really hoping they were going to pull a line out of out of, uh, you know, the Frank Miller mythos and be like, I'm the goddamn Batman <laughs> because it would have been fucking awesome. That would have been the perfect place for a line like that. And they just didn't do it. Yeah, um, I can see why they didn't. But on the other hand, it would have been phenomenal. Missed opportunity, I feel. But, you know, what was disappointing about this is he he says, I'm Batman. And, and you're supposed to get this like. Oh man, what's he gonna do? How is he gonna get out of this one? Because he's really getting his ass just handed to him, uh, and uh, he's like, "I'm gonna throw a head button." And apparently, that's all we need. Yeah, to like he's actively talking to his dead mom at this point. Yeah, he's hallucinating. Shit is going fairly sideways. He's bruised and bloody. You can see he might have lost a tooth or two, uh, and um, he's describing, you know, his punctured lung because uh, uh, it's got a rib poking into it and the way that he wins this fight and th this is what the disappointing part is to me is is just a simple strike you know when it comes down to it it's one simple strike uh, um, and that's it you know it's like I, I just didn't like that as a close like uh, no. number one if, if you're going to go with Bane I think you've got to kind of tell a brawler story um, and so I don't mind that they they did that. It was, here. it was kind of almost more gratifying watching the Jean Paul Valley, um, you know, Robo Batsuit Batman yeah. like kick the shit out of Bane when mm -hmm. Bruce was gone, a little bit because he legit just beat the fuck out of Bane. And this was like, um, I'm selling, I'm selling, I'm selling, I'm selling. Bam, finisher. Yeah, 
<laughs> pretty much um that, that's a wrestling nod for uh, you guys not following but anyway um yeah I, I, I didn't really like that like if they're gonna tell a fight like i think they needed to do it in more than one panel like or i think they needed to tell uh bats win in more than one panel like i do think that there's a legitimate way um to make bats come out ahead in a fist fight uh with bane um i just don't think this is a very good job of it yeah but yeah. I did enjoy I mean, this the, the amount of the like, amount of selling that he was doing through the entire book, like he might as well just pulled the bat suit off and had some like long blonde hair and done a Ric Flair woo when he was done. <laughs> I I legit thought actually the way that they were going with this is as they were talking about um they were talking about Gotham Girl like um when I, when I say they I mean Bruce is telling talking to his mom about Gotham Girl and sort of that whole thing and you know like we open I think with New Fifty Two and Bats is riding a plane into. Uh, the no, bay. that was that was rebirth. That was that was issue one. Or, yeah, I'm Batman. sorry. I said New Fifty Two. I meant rebirth. We open with uh, rebirth, and uh, Bats is riding a plane into the bay, and he's seemingly going to die. Like it leaves uh, very little wiggle room. Bats know he's going to die. He, but he's you know calculated. That's the only possible answer. And lo and behold, Gotham Girl comes to save us, and we go through this like emotional journey through you know and tying into Gotham Girl and blah blah blah. And I really thought that the way Bruce was going with this is going to be like a smirk and uh, Gotham Girl shows up and just kicks the shit out of Bane. But that's not what happened. It was no. a fucking headbutt. Yep. One headbutt. Um, <clears throat> he should have probably opened with that. The 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 real cream of this crop, though, it comes at the at the very last panel, the little splash for the next issue where they they reveal that we are going into a crossover with the Flash and we mm-hmm. are, in fact, going to investigate the button we are the button we've talked um the the rebirth issue not, not in, the button that uh trump used to send tomahawk missiles into syria this well is some button. of them only like 24 landed but whatever um the uh and we made good friends we did uh and we didn't really Terrific destroy their friends. base uh, at all but uh you had good friends um bigly bigly um he trump trump also wanted to add i have huge hands um but uh the um do you think they to make the button smaller to stop and, the button that's what we're talking about <laughs> the button <laughs> they, they probably did like the like obama's button was sitting on the desk and they you know came and switched those big out. old basketball player hands. yeah <laughs> and then they came out and it's like a tea candle yeah <laughs> um so Oh, I know what we're talking about. We were talking about the button. We were talking about the button in the Watchman the, the, button. The Watchman button, of course. So, um, one of the big, you know, weird reveals here that we get in issue uh, uh, zero of the whole rebirth thing, as in the DC Rebirth, the actual title, the book that was, uh, you know, some uh, a really long, you know, trade actually, um, is that we're blending the Watchman universe, yeah. and thus far that is very, very only in very small ways been mentioned. After the massive reveal that uh, um, there seemingly has been some manipulation coming from the Watchmen universe that has led to this whole rebirth thing. And now we get to investigate that with the Flash and Batman yeah. this next So uh, it'll be a four-issue arc, Batman 21 <laughs> and 22 and the Flash 21 and 22. So um, I've already got them reserved at my local comic shop. That's what you got to do. Um, yeah. Okay, that's it for comics this week. Let's No, no it's, it's not. not. We got to talk X-Men. We got to talk Googie a little bit. We do. Googie. Our favorite writer, so Mark Guggenheim. So we have mentioned this probably ad nauseum, but Guggenheim is not our favorite guy uh, in in the uh, Flareoverse. 
Yeah, it's because season four, in short. I mean, if you if you just want to talk about why Mark Guggenheim sucks, it's season four of Arrow. Um, although season five, I really enjoy so far. Yeah, yeah, same. So here's the thing: I am, uh, I I, I was already <laughs> planning on subscribing to X Men Gold from the onset, like when I knew it was coming out, and I actually hadn't read up enough to know that it was a Guggenheim pen book. And so then I was even more curious because I'm like, man, like I know he's not writing every single episode. But he he definitely is he's the exit uh, the showrunner on it so he's got a lot of input on on how the shows go. Yeah, and I was like, I wonder how he does on a comic book. And so then I found out he's not only writing X Men Gold, but he, he's writing X Men Prime, which is the 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 one shot lead in to all of the new X books coming out. Um, that's been dubbed Resurrection. Yeah. Um. He had help on Prime. Yeah. Um. But man, overall, like. I really got to say, X Men Gold, I kind of enjoyed it a lot. Like there was there was levity to it, which you don't see in Arrow a whole lot. It was not an amazing book to me, but it, it did it, it got me interested a little bit. Like, and I, in that regard, I'll call it a success. Like, I, I do want to read the next issue. I, I'm a super huge um, Kitty Pride mark. Yeah, I, I, I like Kitty Pride too. So I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, I really, really kind of enjoyed the awkward interaction uh, between. Uh, her and Colossus because they've 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 got a storied history. Um I think Logan is kind of the perfect foil sometimes to somebody I, taking themselves too seriously. Yeah, we're checking old man Logan here. Yeah. Um and I gotta say I I, I really like uh his I really like how they're using him in this book as well. So um I, I for an X-Men book, I think this is probably one of the uh one of my favorite X-Men books in a long time because it it Guggenheim kind of wrote a letter in the back of it that talks about getting back to basics um and and not having the X-Men have to face uh some kind of existential crisis um which they have done for the past 20 years now every single thing that the X-Men have had to do has been some kind of like massively uh, world-altering event, you know, and there, oh, now we've got House of M, there's no more mutants, and now we've got mutants again, but there's this, and now there's the Inhumans and the Terrigen's gonna kill us. Like, he wants to bring the book back to a very basic um, philosophy, which is we're gonna be superheroes again. Yeah. And, and like, yeah, we're still mutants and people still hate us, but we're going to be superheroes again, and we're going to tell new stories uh, that revolve around us being superheroes. And and I, I enjoy that. I, I I hope that he leads up lives up to his word, and, and that that's what X Men Gold really is. Yeah, me too. What are you laughing about? I'm laughing about because anytime I hear Kitty Pride anymore, I immediately hear Weezer. I've got a Dungeon Master's Guide. I've got a twelve-sided die in the ground. Yeah, I feel safe. Yeah, yeah. That's my favorite. Yeah. Um, uh, so anyway, that that's what I hear pretty much anytime anybody mentions uh, Kitty Pride at this point. No uh, one cares about my ways. Yep. In my garage by Weezer. Um, that's a pull for you other old people. Um, all right. So let's let's now now hold on hold on. Fuck man, you're gonna do this to me every I'm, single time. Every time because I it's it's the only way I have to control you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You go ahead. Now the truth comes out. No. Yeah. Um, X-Men Gold. This is just the first of a new X-Men book that's coming out. We also get X-Men Blue, which is going to follow the original five. 
you did not read the last issue of All New X-Men. I certainly did not. I'm going to spoil it I'm not sure you. that I did read the first one either. So You, you haven't read a lot of them. <laughs> um, so All New X-Men revolved around the original five X-Men that got pulled forward in time by Beast. Yeah. So that he could show um, young Cyclops what old Cyclops turns into and was like, hey, don't. Don't be a dick. Okay, so like, just stop and pause for a second. When we were talking earlier and I was like, yeah, they get some really convoluted plot lines in Marvel and it's sometimes it's hard to follow. So just to recap, what briefly happened here is that um, the X-Men universe got fucked up in a variety of ways and some of our main X-Men characters, uh, the original five, are dead. And so the way that we solve that is uh, Beast, uh, modern day Beast, goes back uh, and pulls in the uh, original five X-Men into the modern storyline. So now we get Jean Grey, Cyclops, uh, Iceman, uh, Angel, and um, Hank McCoy, of course, Beast, yeah. uh, back in continuity as basically like the, the um, <clears throat> I want to say they're, they're Silver Age uh, uh, counterparts. Of course, they're not Silver Age, but whatever. Um, so yeah, uh, th- that's the where we're at right now. Our, our X-Men heroes that we're talking about are actually like these time you know distortion thingies yeah so here's the thing though um <laughs> young beast actually did figure out how to go back in time yeah i i did read i got a hint of that in one of the books i read today he um he pulled them back in time and they all saw what they were thinking was going to be a scene that they weren't there for and it turns out that their old counterparts are still there so we've we found out that um, old Hank maybe didn't pull them from the correct timeline because they can't go back now. Okay, great. So, <laughs> so now we just have the original five X Men. Yeah. So if you're confused at all, don't worry. That's normal. Yeah, everybody is. So, um, that's gonna be X Men Blue. That's gonna follow the the original five. So this I am actually a little bit of a mark for though because as much as I the 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 method in which they're doing this is extraordinarily convoluted. Um. I, I do kind of want to just read about the original five and, and, you know, the, the, not necessarily just the original five, but the sort of, you know, small offshoot of, of that, you know, like basically give me like an X-Men cartoon in b- comic book form and I'll be happy. Yeah. They're fun. Um, we are still getting uh, generation X is, is, is getting a new, a new book and that's going to be fun. I, I believe Jubilee is going to be in it. Um, as well as some of the younger mutants, the a lot of them that we've met um, throughout the years, and like uh, Wolverine and the X Men and whatnot, that was a an ongoing an ongoing title for for quite a while. Yeah, okay, um, did really well. Uh, Weapon X, that's interesting. That's too. gonna be good. Um, I believe we're getting a new X Force with Cable. Okay, so lots of cool X stuff. <laughs> um, it it feels like Marvel has kind of. Uh, lifted the ban on on doing good X Men stories. Yeah, I I wonder if they they got enough of a rub from Logan. They're just like, well, fuck. I guess we're gonna tell X Men stories again. Uh, I think I think their plans for this went into effect before Logan even hit. So maybe or maybe they were just banking on it. I don't know. But I I, I know I was just mostly they were kidding, like but... they were like, well, Fox did so well with Fantastic Four. I mean, let's <laughs> let's just put all our eggs in this basket. Yeah, pretty much. Um, or maybe that's what it was. Apocalypse, Age of Apocalypse. Age, Age of Apocalypse didn't do fantastically, and it wasn't exactly, you know, a, a super well-hailed book or anything. And Marvel must have just been like, well, it doesn't really matter what we write because they don't know how to use it anyway. That's the thing, though, is I don't understand about petty politics about that because, honestly, like, people that go see the movies are not necessarily people that read comic books. Like, you can make a Fantastic Four movie that's absolute fucking dog shit, and I don't think it affects your sales of the Fantastic Four books. 
I think the Fantastic Four books themselves affect the sales of Fantastic Four See, books. See, and even more th- uh, th- than that, like a lot of the people who will start off with the comics or movies and then want to go see more about that. And what, how much better is it when you go see more? And it's way, way better. So, like, I've had uh, occasions where that's happened too. Like, just watching Logan, I won't say it's way better, but watching the movie Logan or knowing that Logan was going to come up got me into going and reading the Old Man Logan comic book. And fuck, is that good? And twenty issues in, you're like, fuck, this is a good book. Yeah. I, and and here's the thing about Old Man Logan, I fucking hate the art in that book. See, but, I actually kind of like the art, but whatever. but the but the story to me is so compelling that I'm just like, you know what? I'm I'm okay with the fact that the art isn't what I'm looking for in a comic book, like because yeah. I I really enjoy reading reading the comic books. So yeah. Uh yeah, no, lots of lots of new X Men stuff. We will keep you apprised as they drop. Um. Honestly, here's the deal. If you've ever, if you listen to our show, um, and we've inspired you to read comic books, uh, I mean, I feel like my heart will go three sizes. No, um, I'm just saying, uh, go subscribe to a book that you like at your comic shop. Um, or here's the deal: a lot of comic book owners get these weird, um, they get misrepresented in, in mainstream media about being like complete fucking dicks and whatnot. But honestly, um, we've got a really good shop over uh, about. 13 miles here from here in Corvallis uh, called Matt's Cavalcade of Comics. Um, I I enjoy going in there because if, I, if I'm like, hey, um, I'm looking for this particular book. Uh, I don't remember the title of it, but this happened. And, and there's usually somebody in the store that'll be like, oh, yeah, it's this book. Yeah. Um, and, and they're just tell them what you want to read. Like, hey, I'm looking for a book that has this and this and this See, in it. See, if and you can find a right shop direction. like that, like um, you're pretty much – golden because what what that tells me if you can find a shop where you can say like i'm looking for the one where this thing happened and they can get you pretty close um that tells me that they actually really like comic books yeah um uh so that that's sort of the best like when when we um everybody gets all uppity about uh you know walmart taking over we're talking about these kind of shops um that that uh, we really want to protect, you know, like where they really know the material. So if you can find a shop like that, yeah, you kind of owe it to yourself and to the industry to actually go subscribe to a book there and like you know participate in that. So yeah, and if you don't have access to a local comic book shop, um, you know, there's there's websites you can order from online. A lot of them like you, the shipping gets kind of ridiculous if you're only getting one comic book. But if you can find a few that you want to get. Um, at a time and, and order those and, and digital def- definitely is an option There's you can do digital digital uh amazon has great a uh, great selection of graphic novels if you if you can't get to a comic book shop yep um it's your sort of used bookstore probably has a great graphic novel selection too if, yeah. you, if you actually look around yeah for sure and you um my library at least does not carry a great selection but they do carry some comic books yeah yeah all right is so my, is my graphic novel section bigger it may be. I mean, if it's if it's smaller, it's not by much. I think they might have a couple of shelves, but anyway. All right, now I'm gonna say it. Do you want to? We... Okay, let's talk. Oh, some it's your wrestling. show. Go on. Yeah, <laughs> let's talk some wrestling. We have to talk WrestleMania. Um, I know. Um, in the last episode of the 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 program, we promised you that there would be a WrestleMania episode coming soon. The thing about that is, is that WrestleMania was seven hours. And because of, you know, in real life obligations, I couldn't even be here. So uh, Matt, Ryan Bailey and Bryce got together and they watched WrestleMania. <clears throat> and after seven hours, they were like, well, fuck it. I don't want to uh, like I'm done with you b- bastards. Go home, you know, get out. 
and and uh my wife would be gone all weekend if she got home about halfway through wrestlemania and like i was kind of wanting to like chat with her and find out how her weekend was and all that kind of stuff and then I, I also just realized that at that point I'd already sat through four and a half hours for WrestleMania. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to podcast after this. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was just, it, it's so long, man. I ran it about this at the beginning of the episode, but fuck, dude, seven hours is a long okay, fucking so time. First off, WrestleMania is the show. Like, WrestleMania, everything is absolutely turned up to 11 for WrestleMania, like, and it is a big deal. If you're a baseball fan, it's the World Series. If you're a football fan, it's the Super Bowl. Like, whatever it is, like, WrestleMania is the granddaddy of them all when it comes to professional wrestling. Yeah, and, and that, it, it is a little bit bigger than that, too, because um, I, there was a lot, there's a lot, you know, like, you don't even have to be a wrestling fan necessarily to find yourself I at WrestleMania. I would have enjoyed a 15-minute performance by Lady Gaga in the middle of it. Yeah, that would have been better if we could have done that. Probably better than Pitbull. Yeah. Um, <laughs> God damn, that was awful. Um, so anyway, WrestleMania is a big deal. I get that. But it, yeah, seven hours is a little bit much. Like the way you handle WrestleMania is it kind of has to be something that you um, have on and you can DVR, you know, so you can rewind if you want to watch it um, or whatever. Or you get through the network so you can rewind if you miss something. But you have on, you, you make a day of it, you have, a, you know... 35 you know pounds of food or something like that that you make and 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 just kind of come and go as you please and watch the matches you want to watch i had 42 taquitos nice i didn't personally eat that many of them but that's how many i made (laughs) i was gonna say that has got to be some kind of record i'm just i'm impressed um but anyway um lots of there was the thing about wrestlemania is it's not just for the um the everyday professional wrestling fan like you get people that watch wrestlemania that don't watch all year long the yeah. rest of the year oh i gotta uh, put this link in the show david notes. david watched it this year uh i don't know if he signed up for the uh the free trial through the network after i i bitched at him for complaining about not having it when i was like hey it's only 10 bucks fucker yeah <laughs> but um david is is eddie's brother-in-law just fyi yeah um but he posted on facebook that he and chrissy were watching it yeah you know and i'm like well that's that's kind of cool because you know he posts stuff about wrestling sometimes, but like, I really only get the sense that he watched it because we had a mutual friend and, and Kevin uh, Veo, who's no longer with us. But like, uh, I Kevin, didn't. Kevin was a, a big fan. Kevin was a huge fan. Uh, Kevin and I actually went to our first live WWE event together. Like, we awesome. His his grandma won tickets playing bingo and gave them to us, and and we <laughs> we drove them to Portland and saw it. Okay, I just how the hell does that happen? Like, you're sitting at your church bingo, and they're like, uh, and now we have. Two tickets to uh, is this a w- w- we no whatever uh, raw? I don't know. I think this is gonna be something. They're gonna it talk was, about paleo. Yeah, it was Monday Night Raw, and it was the first time Monday Night Raw had had ever come to Oregon. Like the first time the WWE had done a live event in Oregon since like the eighties. So nice. Uh, it was back. That was two thousand four, I think. So uh, wow. Yeah, that's 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 me and Kevin Bay. Like we we used to, we nerded out on wrestling together a lot. Like we played the video games. Like every time a new one came out, I would buy it. He would come over to my house like for days on end, and we would just like <laughs> geek out. Um, but I didn't know he watched a lot back then. But he, apparently, like when he discovered like Stone Cold and The Rock, he watched like every week and whatnot. Uh, David did. Yeah, and I didn't realize that. So, um, it was kind of cool. Just like I saw his little post on Facebook about hey. We're checking, you know, it out. we're yeah. we're watching this, and I was like, all right, you know, 
Um, so it it is definitely like the day that people who don't normally watch will watch. Um, yeah, I'll put this link in the show notes. Um, uh, I I happen to run across a the Reddit subreddit uh, Squared Circle is really good if you want to follow wrestling. I actually. <laughs> It, it it's kind of a clusterfuck sometimes but yeah <laughs> it is but i find some good stuff in there but that's every every reddit subreddit though yeah and i found one particular link that i really liked which was um th- this uh, uh blogger writer um ha- this is her first experience with professional wrestling and she watched uh the entirety of wrestlemania oh yeah yeah, yeah i did see that so it, it's it's a lot of fun because it gave me some insight into uh a few things number one I was um, impressed by how much of it she just got, like the the especially like the um sort of uh you know second or third dimension stuff, like uh not just the you know sort of the basic archetypes, but sort of, um some of like the you know in kayfabe versus out of kayfabe stuff. Like she got a lot of that stuff uh, um right away, uh, which was kind of interesting to me. Number two that that was really interesting to me is that um some of the stuff that we don't necessarily like is wrestling. Like, did, did any of us call Naomi as, uh, uh, the, the, no, absolutely not. And, um, she did though. Like, she was like, I really like Naomi. Uh, she's got colorful clothes and she seems cool and blah, blah, blah. And I hope she wins. And then, but lo and behold, you know, she wins. Uh, so there was a lot of that kind of thing too, where, uh, it, like she, um, was really like on board with what the product was doing. Generally speaking, uh, even even the the reigns taker match like she sort of got in a way that I don't think a lot of people do. I I will say this before we go in. I I, I genuinely enjoyed this WrestleMania as long as it was. Um, I I did enjoy almost every single match. I did. Um, I wasn't here, so I caught most of it uh, via the network the next day. Uh, and I didn't watch. Honestly, I just I couldn't devote seven hours to uh, watching the whole program. I'll, but I'll tell you my thoughts. I mainly just skipped between skip match to match and watched all the matches. My thoughts on the pre-show were: um, I really hope at some point the cruiserweight division is um, important enough that it's higher up on the card than yeah, the opening sure. match, especially on the pre-show. Uh, but for what it was, I thought that was a, a, a fast paced match. It was 20 some minutes long, which for a cruiserweight match is, is a pretty long match. Yeah. Um, and I thought Neville portrayed himself as a heel probably better than I've seen him in the past. And, and I thought that was, that was a, a good match for him. Um, Austin Aries, I think didn't suffer either from, from his loss. I think, um, it was, it was, it was a good match. Um, the Andre battle, uh, under the giant battle Royal. I thought it was really weird. I don't know if you watched the, that part of the pre-show or not. No. Um, I, I think all of us had kind of assumed it was going to come down to like Braun Strowman and Big Show in the end, and and one of those two guys would go over um, and win it. Uh, it didn't go that way. In fact, those guys were eliminated fairly early on in the match, um, and it and and then we we had um, Gronkowski from uh, the Patriots get involved <laughs> and and help his buddy Mojo Rawley win the the battle royal and um i honestly don't know if this is one of those things where they did uh they brought in rob gurkowski to get a a, like an espn moment out of it i I hope that's not the case i hope if they're gonna do that with mojo raleigh that they actually at least get something out of mojo raleigh for it um you know what i mean is like maybe uh he makes a run for the u.s title or intercontinental belt or whatever and, and does something important following his win at the battle royal because otherwise that really doesn't mean anything um 
And then the other shocking thing to me was that the Intercontinental title match uh, between Dean Ambrose and uh, um, uh, Baron Corbin was on the pre-show, not on the on the main card. And so I thought that was kind of weird, considering Dean Ambrose has headlined WrestleMania just a couple of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was odd. Uh, weird placement. Uh, decent match. I don't think anything was necessarily over the top of that match. I'm not going to spend any time on it. It just seems odd that your Intercontinental title is is being represented on the pre-show rather than 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 WrestleMania Prime. Yeah, <laughs> I think they probably should stick. Like when they're going to deal with titles, it needs to stick to the main show. Uh, although I can see why they placed all of the matches that they did place in. Yeah, in the there was actual... a lot of matches, and I I can't really say like if I was going to put the Intercontinental title on the main show, like what would I take off of the main show? Yeah, it's rough. You know, um, I think the Especially only match that sticks out as not being one of the best matches was maybe the Cena Miz match, um, but then it had its big moment afterward where Cena proposed to Nikki in the middle of the ring. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, here's the deal: if I'm John Cena and I've carried the company on my back for as long as I have, like I'm gonna get that WrestleMania moment, and that's I'm gonna capitalize on it. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Like I can't fault the guy for doing that. Um. I honestly felt bad for every match on the WrestleMania card after the opening match uh, on the on the on the main card, which was uh, Shane McMahon versus AJ Styles. I kind of did too. I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because um, <laughs> this was one of the standout matches of the night. Actually, fucking tore the roof off that place, and, and you know it doesn't have a roof to begin with because they yeah. were in a, in a in a bowl. But that made it a little bit easier. But we're not going to talk about it. Yeah. Fuck, man, what a good match! Like just extremely fast paced well paced match i mean it was 20 23 24 minutes long i think um so uh the way that i described this is um i was talking to my wife uh, about, about this because i was uh, totally marking out during this match like i told her monday i was like okay i'm not doing anything today i'm gonna go get the beers and i'm gonna watch the wrestlemania and so that's what i did and i sat down and i started marking out really hard over this match like really very quickly and she's like what the hell is your problem? Because uh, number one, she's still very much of like, like wrestling's fake. You're dumb for watching it, sort of. You know, like. Uh, and I was like, okay, no, no, let's stop. Everything we stop. watch is fake. Stop. Yeah. So I, I very briefly explained, like, yeah, number one, everything we watch is fake. Number two, the 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 athleticism isn't like yeah. predetermined. Um, yes, <laughs> predetermined. Yes, they know what's going to happen. We we know that this is orchestrated. The whole event is orchestrated. Uh, but the athleticism is not fake. And I said, so here's what's interesting about this. Uh, that guy's AJ Styles. That guy has a huge wrestling career. He's been doing this shit a really long time, and he's really, really fucking good at what he does. Uh, that other guy in the ring is the son of the guy who runs the co- or who owns the company. And I was like, and now when you stop and think about that on the face of it, that sounds like an absolute bullshit match, and they're just gonna have to carry Shane the entire time, and. That is not the case. Like I'm, I was really fucking impressed with Shane this whole match. Yeah, and and um, President Trump, if you're listening, uh, there's a huge difference uh, between putting your son in a wrestling match uh, and then having your son and or daughter uh, be international representatives to uh, foreign dignitaries. Yeah, that's one thing when you decide, you know, your son should get an office in your own privately run company. And, and quite another thing when you decide that your family and everybody you know or have, you know, talked to for five minutes gets a, an office in the West Wing. Yeah. Yeah. Go find anyway. yourself. Um, um, so yeah. Shane and AJ. Yeah. Um, AJ, for all intents and purposes, could have had a match with anybody um, on the card. And a lot of people were disappointed that it was Shane McMahon because they're like, why isn't AJ having an important match <clears throat> um, at WrestleMania? And 
I'll be goddamned if that match didn't seem awfully important by the time it was over because it was a good match. It was. It was such a good match. And you know what? It, it, really, in the grand scheme of things, it was not an important match, but it was so good and so impressive, especially from the aspect of like Shane's not a wrestler. I, I feel like Shane wanted to go out and have a match where he, he could prove that he didn't have to jump off the top of, of a Hell in the Cell or a 60-foot uh, stage prop or anything like that to uh, to get over with the fans. Like, And, and I think he accomplished it. Like He See, still did his coast-to-coast with the trash can from one corner to the other. Yeah. Um, and he, he did do the, the elbow through the table. Um but even that, like, even that, but, like, uh, but that's that's almost considered normal when you when when you think about like the things that Shane McMahon has actually physically done to his own body over the years. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Even that, like, uh, that that's what impressed me is like in previous matches Shane has had these big spots, and don't get me wrong, those are some balls out spots, uh, and and I really respect him for doing those. But when it comes down to it, those are spots that uh, I kind of expect from Shane because. Or, you know, not no, that's not true. Not fair to say I expect them from him, but those are spots that I, I can see why he's he's doing because they're spots he can accomplish uh, versus the actual, you know, technical wrestling of, of the match and stuff like that gets a little bit more difficult in, in terms of what you can actually pull off. But I no, just, I, mean, I just think for he, all intents and purposes, Shane wrestled really fucking well. I think well. he came out and proved that he's not just a one trick pony. Yeah, that so. that that is entirely the case. I think Shane really came out, and and there was some move, some things where he wasn't as tight as AJ was or whatever. But um, he really came out and like if if somehow, I mean, Shane definitely doesn't look like a wrestler at this point. Or I, really I know ever, he's doing. But some... If Shane came out and actually was a, an actual personality and and actually had ring time reasonably often, it wouldn't it wouldn't seem that out of place. I, I know for a shoot though that Shane's been doing. Uh some uh jujitsu training and things like that uh probably gracie jujitsu would be my my suspicion but like um so there was a little bit of things uh where they were kind of rolling around on the ground that looked kind of weird Um, yeah for wrestling anyway but i mean i almost think that that's like some of the jujitsu stuff coming out because it's i mean jujitsu is is grounding like rolling around holds things like that so but even that stuff like even the stuff that they did like that was really interesting or really fun to watch because um i did see like uh and you know they were pointing that stuff out like um sort of putting in there that you know like shane's been doing the muay thai and he's been you know working on the jujitsu and what have you and so they they you know they would kind of mark um the announcers would kind of you know, do their job and, and well, those are those Muay Thai knees and, and you know, they were talking about the, the you know, jujitsu holds and stuff like that. But it was still really interesting. Like the knees, the Muay Thai knees were, you know, just like, you know, stomping them out whole. Like I didn't really care about that. The, but the, when they got to the rolling and the submissions and, and countering and stuff like that, we talked about that before. I, I really enjoyed that. And, and, you know, I marked out pretty hard. That's that, one of the things so. that I can tell you is that honestly, we didn't listen to a lot of the commentary because it, it got kind of abysmal in, in yeah. places. Um, we'll talk about commentary when we get to the Undertaker match, though, because that was one of my favorite commentary moments of the night. Yeah. Um, I don't remember what was next, but I want to talk about the women's uh, four-way match for the uh, Raw Women's Championship. Yeah, this is interesting, too. Um, Nia Jax versus uh, <clears throat> Bailey versus uh, Sasha versus Charlotte. Um, normally, the champion comes out last. We got Charlotte out last this time, which kind of just goes to show, like, this is... It doesn't matter who the champion is. Almost like this is it's, this it's is so the Charlotte's star. ring, yeah. And uh, so she kind of got a little bit more of a grand entrance. Uh, Nia Jax, pretty strong out of the gate. Um, I, I think the rest of the girls did a really good job of uh, not only selling for her, but then um, uh, putting themselves in that position where they really had to work together to eliminate her. 
Yeah, I thought that that was one of the better story elements of this match is that, like, they're really selling Nia Jax as, like, the beast. Like, yeah. it, it, and if she can get over the fans and, uh, you know, wrestle safe, because we talked about that. Stop about, looking so green, yeah. Yeah, um, that then uh, I think she really could become, for the women's division, so, uh, sort of one of those, like, dominator characters. Like, the way that, um, you know, they've used Undertaker, Kane even like a Goldberg or a Lesnar in the past, like she could become that for the women's division. And that wouldn't necessarily be so bad. I don't think that, you know, they got to use her more probably like a cane, I would think in that they're not going to have her have the belt, you know, every five seconds for long stretches of time. Like they, they, they can't really pull a Lesnar with her, but yeah. um, she, she's a good dominator character in the ring, um, which, you know, is, is just a fun dynamic. So, yeah. This match surprised me too, because beyond the the Nia Jax stuff, uh, she was the first one eliminated. Um, beyond that, I really was expecting Sasha to turn heel almost uh, for this match, and and I'm not still convinced that that's not going to happen. It just is going to be a little bit further down the road. It looks like, um, and I think all of us, if you'd have asked us individually, would have said, you know, Charlotte's probably going to go home with the belt at WrestleMania because it's Charlotte Flair and it's the yeah. biggest pay per view of the year, um, and that didn't happen. Uh, you know, it was it did come down to to uh, Bailey and Charlotte at the end, and and Bailey was able to go over clean in the middle, actually, which yeah, um, almost surprised me even more because I really thought if they're going to push that Sasha angle uh, a little bit more, that she would have had some involvement, but she didn't. Um, they really just kind of gave Bailey the opportunity to 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 go home with the title and, and shine in that one moment. So, so that, that was actually kind of a crazy moment for me because I thought for sure they were setting up Bailey with the title because Bailey's pretty over right now. And, uh, I thought, you know, they'd want to give her a title run, but they'd give it back to Charlotte at, uh, uh at WrestleMania. Cause like, you know, we always say this, uh, or not, we always, but the, the last couple of episodes, one of the things you said over and over again, like when we were talking about Enzo and Cass is sometimes it's fun, funner or better watching the, the, the face chase, the, the title mm-hmm. a little bit more and so i thought that's what we were setting up here is charlotte would take the title she'd keep running heel and uh you'd have bailey being you know sort of like the number one contender chasing the, chasing the belt uh so i was really actually actually surprised this is one of the more surprising outcomes of the night that that bailey retained i think um knowing the business like i do i think Bailey retaining the title probably does actually kind of almost help us set up Sasha for a heel run. Um, you know, and, and it, it, she'll turn on her, take the title from her, and then we'll see Bailey, uh, probably chase Sasha for the title rather than, than yeah. Charlotte. Um, Charlotte, I don't think is probably going to be, uh, a, having a huge run as a champion anytime soon, but I think we're going to see where she's going to make her presence known. Um, I just think they're going to treat her more like an attraction than than an every week kind of a thing well see that i think that's legitimately the thing about charlotte now is she's a really good worker like um she is uh almost in a league of her own in the women's division and uh they they kind of bill her that way but it also fits like she she's a really good worker she's a flair like uh, yeah and i mean and and don't there's there's lots of people that have been flares david flair was a wrestler too and he, he never really amounted to much reed unfortunately um uh, passed away before we really got to see if he was you know if he had the chops so to speak no pun intended on that but like charlotte like you look at charlotte and the way she conducts herself in the ring and then you go back and you look at like rick flair circa 1975 and there's no question whose daughter she is yeah so um, anyway thought this was really an uh, entertaining match uh what do we have next uh 
that really stuck out. Um, well, we got a tag match. We and I, I do believe that was next. I yeah. think that was the next match. Um, we had the um, three-way uh, tag team title match, which was a ladder match, um, and that that was Enzo and Cass uh, versus um, Anderson and Gallows uh, versus uh, Sheamus and Cesaro. Sheamus and Cesaro. Um, New Day comes out, and here's here's what I thought was so beautifully done about this scene. New Day were the hosts of WrestleMania. We saw them at the, at the opening of WrestleMania. Then they come out at the top of the stage, and they're starting to talk about how there's another tag team who's been added in ring attire, and they're in their ring gear. Yeah, and we're like, oh, it's the New Day, and and I don't know if anybody's seen this too, but there's been video of on the fan of uh, or on the um, on the web of the fan reactions and stuff like that. And there's a this one particular group of guys. And there's one dude, and he's like, "Oh, it's gonna be New Day. It's it. Look, they're in the ring. It's it's New Day. They're in the ring gear, you know." Yeah. And then, like, all of a sudden, you hear the Hardy Boys music hit, like from back in the day. And I think there was probably three of us in the in the in the living room all at one time that shit our pants. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, even though by this point I knew this was gonna happen, as I'm watching this the next day. Like I hear the Hardy Boys music hit, and it still surprised me. And I was you, still, you still like, get the goosebumps. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. This this is this was definitely a beautifully orchestrated maneuver uh, by the WWE and uh, by by the Hardys in general. Yeah, the, the Hardys come down, they kind of clean house uh, for the first couple minutes, and then it kind of boils down into an actual match. And there's some good back and forth. Uh, yeah, the Hardys actually, for the most part, they didn't really run the ring on this one. No, um, no. I think that was something that, that was really well done with this match. Is they didn't just just run rough shot over everybody they did win uh you know at the end of the day uh matt climbed the ladder and got the titles but there was a lot of really good spots in between um and and i think everybody kind of had a good moment to shine enzo and Cass. yeah um, i really liked the the spot with Cass trying to pick enzo up to grab the titles you know because <laughs> that that's, that's yeah. a really good big man little man kind of kind of thing that you can do with a team like that yeah it's like uh, the weirdest mario and luigi ever i know <laughs> i know um so that was that was good. I really enjoyed uh, that entire match and and just having the Hardy Boys back um, in the WWE is uh, it's been a long time coming and it's it's well deserved. And if the Hardy Boys um, retire after uh, this last run with the WWE, I don't think anybody will be surprised. And I don't think anybody will be. Uh, I think they're going to leave it all out there. So. Yeah, I think so too. So number one, I mean, that's one of the things that got the Hardys over to begin with is that they they really put it all in the ring. Like they they went for big spots. They did a lot of really cool shit in the, in the days. And we actually we just watched a Hardys match not too long ago. We, we, covering... we watched like three of them. Like yeah. we just did like a, a ladder match. And and so this is one of the other you know painful things that I was thinking about as I was watching. I was like, oh, man, I'm so happy to see the Hardys back. And then secondarily, it's like. Please they don't got, die. They, they got old. Holy shit. <laughs> um, so, you know, uh, I guess years and years of wrestling and, and bouncing your body off of tables and chairs and shit like that probably aren't good for you. Uh, and I think you mentioned before that, uh, is it Matt? Matt ha- had some substance problems in the past. And so. Uh, both of them have. Um, yeah. You know what's odd, though, is like you look at them and you're like, yeah, they got old. Jeff doesn't look that much different. Yeah, no. See, like, that's the thing. I was like. Well, that's Jeff, and then and then Matt comes out, and it's like, what the fuck? Uh, well, and the white stripe in his hair was from their broken Matt gimmick, yeah, uh, that he was doing in TNA, and I don't know that we're getting broken Matt. Uh, it seems like there might be some litigation involved with TNA and yeah, and the Hardys and stuff like that. And I think the WWE, while they have deep enough pockets to probably actually uh, fight it, 
I they think, don't need to. I don't think they need to. I don't think Matt and Jeff need the broken gimmick to get over with the WWE crowd because we all know who they are. Um, and, you know, there was a shit ton of people in that crowd that knew the broken gimmick anyway because, like, the delete, delete, delete chants that were going on yeah. uh, were pretty insane. Yeah. And I, I still think we're going to see Matt probably yell delete to the crowd because I think he's so used to doing that anyway yeah. that that we're going to see it. Um, but man, what a pop and what a great fucking, uh, way to, to reintroduce the Hardys to the WWE. Yeah, for sure. Um, what do we got next? Anything else that you want to talk about? For the uh, first half? We already kind of talked about the Cena Miz match and I, that I think was we later on in the pay-per-view too. All, 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 that's really all we needed to say about that though. I think so. Yeah, no, we don't need to talk a ton about it. Um, Owens Jericho. Owens Jericho was a good good match. Um, Owens Jericho was was a pretty phenomenal match. One of the things I really enjoyed about it is the ending um, that got Owens over. I think even more is is that like just that power bomb to the edge of the, of the apron um, that yeah. finished it. Like that was enough to to pin Jericho. And and I think that sometimes we we focus so much on like having big flashy moves and finishes and things like that that like just a simple like. Yeah, just pound your guy into the hardest part of the ring. Like that, that that'll probably do it. Um, uh, I enjoyed it. it. It was kind of what it was. I think everybody expected Owens to walk out the winner of this match. Uh, you know, rumors longstanding that Jericho's kind of headed for uh, um, Fozzie stuff, and and won't be with the WWE for too much longer. At least uh, for now, I, I I still expect him to come back at some point. Yeah, I hope so. Um, he was on Monday Night Raw the next night, but I have no idea what happened afterwards. So yeah, neither do I. Um, anyway, that was that was a good match. Um, oh, big match that we didn't talk about at all. Um, that actually happened before this one. Uh, Seth Rollins Triple H. Oh yeah, how the fuck did we miss that? Um, the this is like uh, yeah, I don't know. I I think they'll 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 pass tape of this to wrestlers that are training in the future and be like, this is how you sell. Um. Yeah, because I I think I think Rollins did a pretty fantastic job. So leading up to the match, the thing that's been going on is that Seth Rollins had an in real life knee injury and um, was out for a while. And then he came back in, but he came back in basically still, you know, leaning on that knee pretty hard. Uh, um, and that, that's been used over and over again. Um, and so this match, of course, you got Triple H, who's the cerebral assassin, and he's really going after that knee. And, and Rollins did an amazing job, I think, uh, um, showing that and making that, um, you know, mean something in the story of the match. I'll, I'll nitpick that just a little bit in that um, he sold when it was convenient, but there was times when he did some pretty big spots that, yeah, that's that true. He didn't really sell. Um, it, that, see, that's kind of tough with wrestling because I've, I've seen in almost every match where they sell an injury like that, if you're going to go for the spots at all, you can't do those it, with the, the type of injuries they're selling. It so. wasn't enough to take me out of it. I still really enjoyed the match overall. I think it could have been a little bit shorter. Probably. Um, and somebody actually wrote uh, an email to Stone Cold for his show talking about um, a missed opportunity with the sledgehammer, and that is... Um, it's really well known that, that Triple H has actually um, blown both quads yeah. at one point or another. And they were just saying, if, you know, if if Seth is the architect, if he's legitimately like replacing Triple H as the 
you know, the architect of the business and whatnot, like he should have taken that sledgehammer and he should have just hammered one of those quads, just worked, worked a quad. No, oh, that you would know, have been a good idea. You know, because Triple H was doing that to his knee. And, and you know, if we know that Triple H has had quad issues in the past, then obviously Seth would know it as well. Um, and and that was that was just one suggestion. I, and I think it was a good one. I think that, that probably could have added a little bit more to that match. Um, really enjoyed the spot with Steph going through the table. Like that that piece of it was, like, I think, really well constructed. Yeah, so did I. And and actually, that piece set up Monday Night Raw the next night as well, because uh, we got a business a uh, visit from you know the chairman himself, Mr. Vincent Kennedy McMahon, on on Monday Night Raw. So, um, and that was all predicated upon that 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 one spot with her going through that table. So yeah, um, really enjoyed that match. Um, I think it was good to see Triple H put Seth over. Um, the thing about Seth Rollins, uh, and and this is what's really important is when it comes to character. Um, we still haven't really established who Seth Rollins is as a character yet. And this match didn't really um, help that situation at all because he's still Seth Rollins. Um, but I think he can be Seth Rollins without having to rely on Seth freaking Rollins as, as his catchphrase. Like um, we just need to establish him as a specific person within, you know, this thing uh, you know establish a character so to speak like if you look at the guys in the 90s like a lot of them were really good workers but they all had very specific characters you know you had the rock yeah you know everybody knew what the rock was about you know you had triple h cerebral assassin right um you know you had stone cold steve austin (laughs) but see even i remember though when they started working the like cerebral assassin bits into triple h and that's i think where triple h really took off and, and and I think that Seth is primed for that. Like they well, need to figure out what they're going to do with him, and because he could really take off like that. And too. that kind of that kind of leads me to my criticisms of the commentary. And that's one of the things is like back in those days, like we had Jim Ross tell us who this person was as yeah. a character, and we don't have that right now. Like the guys that are doing commentary right now, and I don't mean any disrespect to Michael Cole because I think when when Cole is left to his own devices, he's amazing. But when he's got somebody in his ear telling him, you know, to stick to the script. Um, then that's when we kind of run into problems, and they're they're talking about all these other things during the during the match, like they're talking about other matches, they're talking about you know promotions that are coming up and whatnot, and and it really takes away from what's happening in the ring and the story that's being told in the ring when your job as a commentator is to accentuate that, not not divert my attention from it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess that should give you uh, a little bit of criticism of the business because I'm sure if they're talking about like that shit, it's because they're told to talk about that shit. Yeah, so. yeah, obviously, like we have we have investors and we have to talk about what's going on over here and we have yeah. to talk about this, you know, and you know, yeah, I don't know. We promised General Mills we'd plug Cheerios during the during this match. <laughs> God damn it! He just put a hole in him. Like you know, my favorite cereal actually Cheerios, which is heart healthy. Yeah, and uh, with just two hundred calories. But no, to a reduce bowl. cholesterol. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, I, I. That's that's kind of the only thing that really bugs me is like we do need to establish Seth Rollins as 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 a character, but we also need help from our commentary guys to to really do that, and we need them to tell us why Seth Rollins is so important i mean he's great in the ring like i don't think that's any there's, there's no question about that yeah uh it's just a matter of like identifying what makes him it's kind of funny because i think that they've got a lot of talent right now like there's a lot of guys i think that they they get, could be like a mega superstar you know transcends sort of the business and and brings in fans like the way that stone cold and the rock did uh but they just don't know how to use them right yeah 
Well, and there's 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 gimmick problems kind of up and down the board right now too. Like Bray Wyatt being another one of them. Like, um, oh, we didn't talk about that match. <laughs> that's yeah. I, I think we're just getting there, but yeah, that match was weird. Um, Bray's Bray's gimmick doesn't really work when like you can turn on social media and see him like having dinner at TGI Fridays with his family and shit like that. <laughs> um, that's the one thing about the Undertaker that is different. Like. Undertaker's protected his gimmick his entire career. Like you can't just go on social media and see him do anything. No, like the Undertaker is the Undertaker, and there's always been that mystery about him it, it, as far as that's concerned. Like even when he was doing the biker gimmick, like you didn't see him outside of the ring. Like you, there was no video of him, you know, yeah, out with his family or or anything else like that. So, um, Bray kind of has to be conscious about that because if he it, if he's going to be the eater of worlds and he's going to be essentially kind of almost the, the, um, the next version of the undertaker, so to speak with, with, you know, kind of a, a Prince of darkness kind of character, then we can't see you out with your family at TGI Fridays and whatnot. Like, I'm not going to get too, too down on the guys, you know, for social media and whatnot. Cause it's kind of how we promote ourselves these days. Um, it just seems weird. Yeah. And it, and it definitely does take me out of it. Like it's not, not that the Undertaker was ever a believable character, but he at least owned it that much. Yeah. So, um, that match against Randy Orton was strange. I, I thought for sure that they were going to actually let Bray keep the belt. I was wrong. Um, I hated the fact that every time he did his upside down crab walk, there was insects and maggots in the ring. Oh, God, like, that yeah. whole projection thing. Like, um, uh, that was a weak ass gimmick. I thought, like, I, I just didn't enjoy that at all. Wade Keller from the Pro Wrestling Torch actually did an interview with Stone Cold Steve Austin about that, and he his comment to it was, "Whoever brought that up in the writing room should have been told no immediately, and they should not have been allowed to make any other contributions." <laughs> <laughs> and you know, from uh, the fan perspective, I'd say he was pretty much right about that. Like, yeah. I didn't enjoy that gimmick at all, and it it got really tired, and very quickly, I was like. Uh, I, mean, I mean, what are we even doing right now? Like, uh, can we just get an RKO and just call it a day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I, I didn't enjoy that match very much. Um, God, that puts us down to really just a couple more matches. We got Goldberg Lesnar. That's true. Uh, which honestly, for a four minute match on a huge WrestleMania card, like that match probably did exactly what it was supposed to do. I thought it. I thought that match worked really well. Yeah. Um. You know, Lesnar went over. I don't think anybody was surprised about Lesnar going over. Um, but they there were some elements to it that were really fucking spot on. Number one is you had Lesnar just beat Goldberg down with a couple Germans, and then you see the spear, and you didn't actually see Goldberg get up to get ready for the spear. Like the way the camera caught it was like German, German, Brock gets up, gloves for a minute, bam, spear out of nowhere. Like just yeah, just that and that was toward the beginning of the match, and that was that was really good direction from whoever was in the truck you know yeah directing the cameras and whatnot i thought that was amazing um the big spot with uh lesnar getting speared through the uh barricade you know in the timekeepers area i thought that was that was pretty well done um and then the look on goldberg's face after lesnar kicked out of the uh the jackhammer i thought was probably pretty classic that that was actually amazing like that that i think is going to go in some video packages from here here on you know like anytime they bring about lesnar right now if that doesn't hit the video package i don't know what they're doing yeah yeah um i i don't this match was actually really good because it didn't it didn't uh harken back to wrestlemania 20 where they put on a 15 20 minute long boring ass match that 
um, nobody cared about, including the people that were involved in it. <laughs> uh, Stone Cold had the misfortune of being the, the special guest referee in that, and I think even that that might have even made the match worse, not because he was bad, because he's a he's an awesome character, um, but it just really drew attention away from the match itself, which already wasn't that good. Is this uh was this Lesnar Goldberg? Yeah. They did a twenty minute match? Uh it was it was maybe not twenty minutes, but it was longer. It wow. was it was at WrestleMania twenty and it was not so a good match. Both guys did all four moves they know like ninety two times then or well, what? Lesnar I don't think was relying on the Germans back then. I think he did some other stuff. Okay. But I think I counted like twelve German suplexes at WrestleMania this year, so I mean, yeah, it was literally just like uh if you were playing spear, the spear, suplex, yeah. suplex, 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 suplex. <laughs> If you were playing the two K two K games, you you would have like lost points because it was like you're using that move too much. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> this match, I don't know. I I just every now and then, very carefully executed uh, a Goldberg Lesnar type of thing works for me. Um, like Goldberg's return was exactly what it should have been. I just uh didn't i mean there's no stakes in this match nobody cares about this match i think i, I didn't care about this match yeah, at least the problem the problem was that they put the belt on goldberg and the, so then all of a sudden the matches for the title but even though it was a title match i still don't think the audience was really invested in it like for the most part like because of how public everything is in wrestling these days like we kind of knew like this was the end of goldberg's contract anyway yeah and, and um They're just both part timers. Like, um, that's that's a thing I think that's pretty important here. A lot of the times is they're uh, both part timers. Lesnar's very part time too. Yeah, I, I like don't, I don't want Lesnar to carry a belt. No, like, I don't want him to for the next six months because I didn't mind the first time because he was he was part time, but he was actually around more. He hasn't been around at all lately, and like, literally, he shows up at Survivor Series against Goldberg. You don't see him again until the Rumble, where he's eliminated by Goldberg. And yeah. then we see him at WrestleMania. So in the last six months, we've seen the dude three times and I don't, I don't want that anymore. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, whatever. Um, so. last match of the night, last match of the night. Um, okay. So we knew he was coming back to do commentary for one match. And honestly, it should have dawned on us when we talked about it on the show last week that we were going to get good old JR Jim Ross for, uh, the undertaker match. That being said, we didn't know until WrestleMania night that the Undertaker match was actually going to headline WrestleMania. We hear the Oklahoma Sooners music. We get JR walking down to the ring. Uh, I'm excited at this point because I fucking love listening to JR on commentary. And it's been a long time since he's been with the WWE. Um, he does have a two-year contract now. Yeah, that's exciting. So, so he's around for uh, a little while. Um, they'll use him sparingly at first and honestly um not as much anyway because he's still under contract with uh, access tv to do the uh english commentary for new japan pro wrestling mm -hmm. and wwe was actually gracious enough to to work with him on that so um good show guys that's that's how you do things in the real world um sony and marvel yeah we did not be douchebags everybody involved yeah uh anyhow um this match, I think, was actually a lot better of a match than I was expecting it to be. Oh, it it really was. In fact, that's the main part of this that I wanted to talk about. When they were like, uh, Undertaker at WrestleMania, I was like, well, you know, okay, they got to give him a good out. And, uh, you know, they'll they'll do okay. And, uh, and then they put him up against Reigns. And I was like, well, 
fuck that. And uh, as it turns out, I actually enjoyed this match. Like, uh, number one, Undertaker, um, my main concern with him coming out is that at this point, he's old. He's taken a lot of bumps. Uh, and I didn't know if he'd actually be able to hold up a performance. Um, with, with all due respect to The Undertaker, he looked positively feeble at at the Royal Rumble. Uh, yeah, basically. Um, like, guys were going over the top rope with barely a tap from The Undertaker. And, and just and it, it just it looked disingenuous. Yeah, I mean, like the weakest choke slam I've ever seen. Uh, um, got delivered, you know, there before yeah. Taker got gets eliminated. So, um, yeah. yeah, he he did not look good at the Rumble, and so going into Mania, I was like, you know, I get why they're doing this. That he really does deserve this, and I didn't figure it was going to be the main match. But goddamn, if I wasn't wrong, like he came out and he looked really good. I thought. Uh, I mean, given he's he is fantastically old for a wrestler at this point, but he looked really good. I thought the the match overall, like I didn't really, especially after watching the Rumble match, I wasn't thinking, holy shit, like he. It's a good thing Roman's selling really hard on this, otherwise it would look weak as hell. Yeah, no. Um, Undertaker looks strong, and yeah. Roman, to his credit, did everything that that I think we expected him to do. I think I maybe would have used less Superman punches. Yeah, he he had one too many, seven of those. Yeah, um, but I mean, uh, one of the things Jr. talked about too after the fact is that when he was calling the match, he he does not work from the script, and he, he said that basically everything I said about Roman during that match was heartfelt and genuine. Like he he genuinely believes that Roman Reigns has the potential to go out and be uh, the superstar that Vince wants him to be. Yeah, um, and whatnot. Um, so I think we. Speaking of character, like I think that's just one of the things that we need to work on with Roman too, is just establishing like who Roman Reigns is. Like, yep, you can come out and you say it's your yard now, but you know, just because you say it doesn't make it true. If they don't, if they don't find like that, that mo- first off, he came out the next night on Mania or on uh, Raw, and and just to a chorus of boos and Roman yeah. sucks chants. I mean, like, just the audience was not having it. And all he said is, it's my yard now or something like that and walked yeah. off. Um, Which and- I think was probably all he needed to say. I don't think I don't think I wanted to hear him say more um, <laughs> at that point. No, I'm just saying, like, if if they don't use this to turn him heel, like, they just don't know what the fuck they're doing. Because the, the audience wants to hate him so bad. Let them hate him and let them love hating them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I'm, I'm on board with the idea of, of turning him heel and whatnot. Um you know, aside, there was one kind of botch at, at, toward the end of the of, of the match, which was unfortunate. But I mean, honestly, I don't think that either guy really suffered uh, from this match, and and I don't think I expected more than just a slugfest. Yeah, no, not really. Uh, you know, there was some good, some good commentary by Jr. You know, he's, uh, you know, that's another thing for me. Like having Jr. there sold the match a lot more. It did. And then, and then then the other big part here it just is made me pissed off that Jr. didn't call the rest of WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 did I. Uh, I. I had that same feeling. Um, but that that was another thing that too kind of put this match into perspective because I think I we all pretty much knew that this is going to be Taker's last match, and uh, so having Jr. call it was uh, sort of you know, super fitting. And then, you know, I really did, like I said, the, the big thing for me is I really thought Taker went out there and gave it his all. I, and, I, I didn't necessarily know that it was going to be his last match um, until, uh, until I realized that this was the one that JR was on commentary for. And then that kind of was like, Oh, okay, I get it now. Um, I was hoping honestly, just because I, I, I want to remember the undertaker 
as being something special. And I think the more you drag out his retirement, then the yeah. less special he becomes um, in everyone's eyes. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, it, this match had a lot of feels to it. I really enjoyed that after Roman left the ring, like it, it, it kind of panned up the ramp a little bit. And then when you come back, you got Taker standing in the middle of the ring with his duster and his hat on and stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, my daughter was home from the coast by this point, Natalie. And, and she was, like what's going on and like i told her what was happening mm-hmm. as he was taking the gloves off and the jacket off and she legitimately cried like she was sad that the undertaker was <laughs> was done and like because she had gone upstairs as soon as she got home and, and went and changed into her undertaker t-shirt that she wears you <laughs> that's know? amazing and and so like it was it was a big deal and i was thinking about that and i was just like man like this guy's been wrestling since i was you know essentially a kid like i was he came in in 1991 uh so I'd have been, you know, 13. Yeah. You know, and, and then I'm looking at my four-year-old daughter and I'm like, man, this guy's been around. Like my four-year-old daughter is, is legitimately crying because you know, her wrestling hero is done. Not only that, but wrestling is like, it's goddamn hard to have a long career in professional wrestling. It is. So, um, you, you gotta respect Taker for that. But, um, just like you said, there's, there's a million reasons why, uh, this is a big deal. Um, just like you said, his dedication to the character, like his dedication to, you know, making sure that, uh, uh, you never believed he was anything other other than the undertaker is amazing. Um, but yeah, I, I could not help, but, um, be impressed by his performance during this match, because especially after the rumble, I was looking for him to come out and be weak and this to be kind of a even more sad match. But when it came down to it, like I was really impressed with his performance. And the sad part was simply that, uh, this this was the end and that um you know the other part i didn't really like about this is that uh roman went over clean i mean i think they did it in a way that made taker still look strong mm-hmm. but but roman still went over clean uh and i don't know that i i really wanted uh roman to win this match at all or that i really wanted to go uh, have taker go out on a loss um here's the thing i think if if this is so you the loss is what's spurring his retirement yeah. Right. You have to have Roman go over clean in order to get that reaction out of Taker because that's the moment when Taker realizes that it isn't his yard anymore. Yeah. And so that's kind of the, you know, the gunman hanging up his guns. Yeah. So sort of thing. But, um, but I, I, didn't, I don't know that I wanted that from the, I mean, cause it's still, it's still the story. Um, I don't know that I want that from the story. Um, yeah, but that's the story <laughs> they were telling. Yeah. <laughs> so. it, it, it for sure is, but, um, um so that's that's I mean we don't we don't really have a choice here. Somebody on Reddit actually um you know said something that would have been great and that is, you know, he walked up the ramp at the end and it lowered him back down. Yeah. And then it kind of panned out and then it went to black, right? The guy on Reddit said that what would have been amazing is if after it lowered him back down and the lights went down, if the lights brought got brought up like as the ramp was coming back up mm-hmm. and it was just the urn. Yeah. Like smoking and stuff like that. <laughs> that would have been kind of cool symbolism. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I, I think, um, I, I, I think they did right by the undertaker with that. No, nah, I, I think so at too. The end, and they gave him the opportunity. And here's the thing. I don't think we see the undertaker gimmick again. I, I, I think if we see him, uh, you know, at conventions at some point or, you know, uh, fan access at another WrestleMania or anything it's, it's else. Gonna it's going to be Mark Calloway. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to see the, the undertaker gimmick, uh, again. I think that was, um, 
I think he would. That was part of the point of him laying that stuff in the ring was he was laying that gimmick. To I, rest. I think he legitimately was like hanging up the hat because he he has been the Undertaker for an incredibly long time at this point. So, yeah. all yeah. right, <clears throat> that's WrestleMania. You want to talk about anything else? Uh, by God, I think we did it. But by, by God, that is one thing I will say. I'm disappointed is when Roman's music hit. Is I didn't hear a son of a bitch from Jr. <laughs> no, ah, oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> All right, guys, that's the show for this week. Um, you can go and help us out by uh, finding us on Twitter and giving us some juice there. Uh, we are at Whatever Show. Yep. We are um, also on Facebook, facebook.com slash whatever. Yeah, we also have Whatever Show slash Whatever Show. Slash Whatever Show. Yeah, you're that's right. It's an important distinction. It is. Um, we have the emails, questions at whatever.co. And as always, if you really want to help out our podcast, we would really appreciate it if you would just go on iTunes <laughs> and like and subscribe and all that kind of stuff. Like, what is it they say on YouTube's? Uh, the YouTube videos, uh, please like and subscribe and, you know, all that kind of jazz. Yeah. The same thing. YouTube, uh, uh, iTunes is basically our, our YouTube as far as that kind of shit goes. Yeah. So yeah. We, we would like your subscription and, and your, your um, likes and whatever. Here's the amazing thing about our podcast and, and iTunes, and that is if you like our show and you listen to it every week, but you haven't subscribed, then you're just dumb. Because if you subscribe, uh, then you're then you automatically get the show downloaded to the device of your choosing when it drops. Yeah. And and it makes it easier for us to justify to our wives the reasons we keep making these things. I mean, here's the thing. I don't really think you're dumb, but if you listen to us every week, there's something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I even listen to us every week. No, that's rough. Uh, we will see you next week, though, where we also don't listen to ourselves. Exactly. Yeah, sort of. Bye. Yep.